Right, so what we were missing last week was we have an introduction. Yeah. And uh, what's all this? Got <laughs> <laughs> mm, mm. <Not> <laughs> poster frames already for next I, week. I've got facial hair too. But yeah, I'm 100% using that still. <laughs> um, yeah, so last week the it worked, It ended up working. <laughs> Stop okay, doing sorry, it! Sorry, or at least sorry. do it so I can screenshot it, can I? <laughs> Hang on. I got it. <laughs> oh yeah, it went kachik. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so yeah, just get one of that now I'll make chapter two out of that. <laughs> I don't cool. know why like it moves me to call it chapter one. No, it, I like the chapters, it's yeah. Like a running story thing. Yeah. But no, uh, the one thing I failed to do the uh so yeah, intro wise, the one thing I failed to do last week was uh, actually say who I was. Okay. At any any specific point, so you did your little introduction, then we talked about why we were doing this. And you didn't but at say. At no point did we ever did I ever say who I was. Okay. So, um, so I should probably address that. Yes, definitely. Um, but if you you, I'm gonna let you do a lead in this week, and then okay, we'll go from there. All right. So this is uh, Gamf episode two. Sorry, no, Gamf chapter two. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the subjects this week are the um, WWE pay per view Money in the Bank. And um, a video that I found on uh, Reason.tv, uh, Reason, for those who don't know, is a libertarian-leaning magazine, mostly online these days, to be honest with you. They still have a print magazine, but a lot of their stuff is online. Um, and it's an interview with the uh, chief editor, uh, Nick Gillespie, and um, the CEO of Flying Dog Brewery. Uh, and it kind of goes over some of the um, legal issues that they faced with uh, free speech issues. So, so I think that it'll probably end up being a a discussion on free speech and and uh, and the philosophy behind that, and also maybe some of the substance of the uh, of the cases yeah. that they went through as well. So I think it should be fun. It'll also feature a portion cut from last week's episode. Yes, because that so, was that was kind of what it gave it us comes it. out of a bit. Yeah, from last week's of the whole thing started in a part of last week's episode. So we'll probably throw in that section. Uh, as part of that thing, because it's it's that's how we got to the point of saying, why don't we watch this video and talk about it? I right. didn't know what reason was. I was going to ask you that. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. They, um, they, they started out in I think the seventies, okay. mid mid to late seventies is kind of like a zine, you know, uh, a college campus type thing. Um, and uh, I think there were big supporters of Barry Goldwater, who was a libertarian libertarian presidential nominee several times over back what then. What was his name? Barry Goldwater. <laughs> Oh, I thought you said Baron. Oh, Baron that would be amazing. Why, why wouldn't everyone vote for him? Like he's got a big helmet. And like, <laughs> just imagine him as, a, as like um, over the top, screaming Lord Such type. Yes. Yeah, Hello, I'm Baron Goldwater. He's got all these medals that relate to nothing, like they're Girl Scout yeah. badges or something. <laughs> I don't know why I got so few votes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're a libertarian-leaning, um, well, I guess leaning, libertarian uh, political philosophy, um, which is, you know, the, the philosophy of personal 
independence and freedom. Um, they big supporters of people like Ron Paul and right. um, uh, Mil- Milton Friedman for those who who know and the Austrian School of Economics. Uh, yeah, but they they yeah it's still a um, monthly magazine I believe and okay. lots of online presence. But yeah, uh, their people tend to appear on. Just talking heads all over the place, like Nick Gillespie, the guy who did the interview with the uh, the flying dog guy, who, which it occurs to me I don't know his name now. Um, Joe jo Caruso. That sounds right. Yeah. Jim. Jim Caruso. Okay. Jim Caruso. There we go. Apologies to Joe Caruso. Uh, he he's been on the uh, Bill Maher Real Time with Bill Maher a number of times, um, and uh, appearances on you know the cable news networks and that sort of thing, putting forth the perspective and. Um, yeah, so, right, last week I forgot to introduce myself properly, so to reintroduce myself, I am uh, Mark Adams, Mark Charles Adams, MCA, Marky, whatever you want to call me, um, and I am the M in GAMF, the T is silent, and I'm, uh, I don't know, I do all sorts of shit, so <laughs> I don't know how to describe myself. I, I am a storyteller. Hey, I like that. There you go. Get, put that on a business card. So I, I do films. Uh, I uh, I'm I work uh, taking photos for other people. I take I make videos for other people. Yeah, I do all sorts of shit. That's the second line of the business card. Storyteller. I do all sorts of shit. In I do all sorts of shit. It's <laughs> <laughs> just, like, just a picture of me. Like no contact details. You want to start some shit? <laughs> <laughs> well, Charles Adams, you want to start some shit? Um, yeah. So, so that's that's me. To introduce yourself again, sir, because it's episode two. Yes, I'm Gerard Hals. Yeah, G3, um, GCA. No, that's no one's ever called me that because it makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> what? How would that even work? You'd, you, we'd be married, and you'd have taken my middle name. Yeah, well. apparently. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just that, you know, into it. <laughs> okay. That, um, that kind of person. Uh, I'm a. Um, Tech guy, computer guy. I, I work uh, work at a um, big credit union out here in Utah, doing mainframe stuff. Uh, Mark and I met together. Met together. Met. Um, wow, was it two thousand three? Together. Met together. I think it was two thousand three when we met, um, and we've been friends ever since. Um, we worked at the same place. I don't think it's a problem saying it was what was University College Worcester is now University of Worcester. Yeah. Um, we worked together there. Uh, in yeah, the... you on the IT side, me on the media side, but then and then they push those two together. together. Exactly, yeah, yeah, and that was and the and the orphan stepchild, the library. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I forgot about the library. Um, when was that? Like oh four, oh three, oh three, I think. Yeah, because so we've been friends now for a good fifteen-ish years. Yeah, so yeah, and um, yeah, lots of uh, lots of lots of discussions over the years, and we we enjoy talking. And since then, now thousands of miles away, we decided that we were going to start talking again on uh, rather than just through text do this FaceTime thing and actually have a discussion and thought well you know wh- why not record it and put it as a podcast it could be fun maybe people will yeah, listen to because it because what, what's the point in, in speaking to anyone these days unless it's content right exactly yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah we've got so, to monetize this shit yeah we're gonna we're gonna make loads of money off yeah, this shit you listen that's the whole point uh, Joe Rogan <laughs> <laughs> we're coming for you Joe Rogan no 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 he runs a podcast network he's gonna he's oh. gonna put us out we, we're coming at means with you Joe Rogan there you go how about Jake and Amir instead they run HeadGum oh do they have yeah I yeah know. you know the same guys from um, from College oh, Humor nice yeah College okay. Humor yeah they they, uh, they started a podcast 
oh man, like four or five years ago now. I've only just started listening to it fairly recently called If I Were You. Uh, okay. the, co- the concept is that people write in with questions and they give advice. Uh, trying to think. Not to be... Okay, so we, we're happy to go on Jake and Amir's one. We're happy to be on uh, Joe Rogan's Rogan. one. Uh-huh. Uh, Chris Jericho's got his one now. Happy to be part of that. He's got a podcast um, network, really? Okay. Yeah, the Jericho Podcast Network. It's part of Podcast One. Oh, cool. Podcast okay. One. We'll podcast get, One, know, yeah. Hey, Podcast a- One, are you on us? We'll, we'll do that. Acast. Um, Acast is the one that Adam Buxton's on. Buxton, we already talked about you last week. You can, you can, you can have us. Um, who else has got one? Uh, Corolla's got his own one, hasn't he? I think that's Podcast One. Okay, po- but yep, twice for Podcast One. <laughs> two points for Podcast One. Um, you want us? We're there. If not, we're just going to keep doing this shit ourselves. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm Mark Charles Adams. You want to start some shit? Yeah, exactly. Totally getting that business card, mate. Yeah. <laughs> with like Small a sh- run. With like a shaky fist. Fist face f- <laughs> no, photo. Wait a minute. Take my picture. Oh, this. excellent. Uh, was it Command Shift 3? There we go. We got our cover. We got, we got our <laughs> Chapter 2 cover photos. Also, that was my Jinder Mahal face. Yes. Um, may as well segue that in because this will hopefully move seamlessly into our Money in the Bank review with a special guest. Money! Money, money, money And now, Gold Bond presents Money in the Bank. Hello. Hello. Oh, uh, I can hear but not see you. I'm trying to add video now. Oh, do you want to add other participants? Yes, I do. But I, um, I can't remember the last time I spoke to Adam. Don't even know. Right, I've messaged him. Okie dokie. How do we want to do this? Do we want to intro this? Yeah. And then Adam start on, or? Yeah, let's exp- yeah, I mean, I suppose we could explain who Adam is, or, or unless you want to wait until he's on. I'll let him fucking explain who he is. Right. Let me just, i just go grab the bottle opener that's over there so I can open my beer for this. Okay. <laughs> I, I noticed that the call quality is a lot worse on this than it is on FaceTime. Oh, you can't hear me because you don't have your earphones in. Ow. Uh-huh. Uh... Do you want to introduce our combined love of wrestling or something? Yeah, how do we? That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so one of the things that, that Mark and I kind of bonded over, actually, probably a couple of years into our friendship, was uh, a, a shared at the, at the time dormant love for uh, wrestling, sports entertainment, as it were. There you go, Vince. Get so much yak. Um, and uh, we'd, both, we'd both kind of been through uh, phases of liking it when we were in uh, young and, and then teen years. And then had a bit of a renaissance of, of, of coming back to it in, what, like 2005, 6, 7, I think it was probably, maybe even beyond that. Yeah, the first thing we watched that uh, live, the first live thing we watched together was that Cyber Sunday show, which I think was 06. Right. Uh, was that the first Cyber Sunday uh no i don't think it was the first one okay um but whatever that one that november is so let's say we probably watched a few bits and pieces up till then and then the that was the first time we started watching live sort of staying up from fucking midnight or whatever to to i'm already more sweary than last week um to uh think oh we i think we've just got adam so hang on, oh, great. Okay. Him in. oh hang on a minute. he's he's appeared on screen well he hasn't appeared on screen but his thing has there he is hello is it all three of us now i think so yeah Adam is a, a pulsing blue blob. He's just a... a not how a, I remember yeah. him at all. That's Yeah, he's, he's looked like that a while now. Are you there, <laughs> sir? I am, yeah. This is actually working. This is amazing. Voyeuristic, because I have you both on camera. Although you've both got like sweet headsets. Yeah, we've both got our sweet headsets. We're professionals. This is our second episode. Yeah. 
Now joining us for our Money in the Bank review is uh, my friend and, and filmmaking partner, Adam Gibson. Do you want to introduce yourself, Adam? Uh, yeah. Do, do I have to say anything in particular or just say hello, I'm Adam? You can say whatever you want. Just, uh, I don't know, short explanation of who you are and why you like wrestling, I suppose. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I suppose more than anything, I'm a family man. Uh, I'm feel like I'm getting older than I should be. Um, I think that's partly why I like wrestling, to be honest, because I went off it for about 10 years and then came back onto it probably as much through talking to you and then playing the games and thinking, I don't know who the hell any of these people are, and then uh, just getting back into it that way, really. You're, expl- nice. you're, you're and, describing yeah. exactly what I felt watching Money in the Bank. It's like, who the hell are these people? <laughs> I, I knew you'd be like that, and I've got it in my notes to explain to you who people are. Excellent, <laughs> thank you. In terms of who people you might know are, like, he's the new... You know. Yeah, one of, one um, of my yeah. notes is I only know JBL of the announcers. Uh, yeah, and Adam now, for the record, watches more wrestling per week than I think I do, and I, if he credits me as getting him back into it, it's weird, because I, I have the, the network, but I the WWE network, but I only watch... Um, pretty much only watch the live... Uh, pay, well, not the live pay-per-views, the pay-per-views and occasional bits of the commentary stuff. I never really watch Raw or SmackDown that much anymore. It was snippets, but that's about it. Whereas, Adam, you watch Raw every week, don't you, at the moment? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I've, I've missed one or two, but not many. Because um, obviously the storylines are so intricate, I, I have to keep myself in there. <laughs> yeah, you can't miss one week and, and have any idea what's going on. I mean, or watch a whole roar and have any idea what's going on. So, <laughs> um, but you don't watch much SmackDown, right? And what we're talking about is a SmackDown pay-per-view. No, I, d- I have been watching. I think probably for the last three or four months, I've been watching SmackDown pretty much as much as Raw. In fact, I've, especially since my favourite has come on SmackDown, which is Nakamura. I I've, thought you were uh, say Baron Corbin. Stop that. <laughs> um, I've uh, yeah, I've been watching it quite regularly. Oh, terrific! I, d- I didn't know that actually, because when you when we speak about it, it's mainly about raw stuff. But uh, that's quite good actually, because I I've fallen out of SmackDown or the segments of SmackDown I would watch. Um, I've fallen a bit out of that of late as well. So you might be able to help on some of the storyline stuff I wasn't sure about. So right, should yeah. we go? How should we do this? Should we go match by match? Yeah, yeah sure. Go. I've got my pad of notes. Gerard is more um, more advanced than that and has a an, an iPad, iPad of, of notes. notes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. So the 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 show opened with what I thought was a nice. Uh, opening video, uh, and then the opening match was the women in the bank, uh, the historic women in women's women's in the bank. I like women in the bank. Yeah. That's brilliant. Women in the bank ladder match. <laughs> um, the thing about the start of this match that weirded me out was they brought all the women out, and then they then they played a video, and they must have all been stood in the ring, and everyone in the building must have been sat there with these awkwardly kind of twiddling their thumbs, wondering why they're just standing in the ring. Yeah, they'd done all the entrances, and then they had what was quite a good video about the, the how historic this thing was. But they would have all just been stood there, and that really weirded me out because it it must have been like a five minute video. Yeah, it's like at this point, baby fighting. Come on. But yeah, anyway. but you kind of get the impression with the live stuff that it's you know it is for TV, isn't it? It's not they're not that bothered about what's happening in the stadium as long as the right message. See also, comes, um, ha- uh, what was it called? House of They can't. Mm. Yeah, well, you know how I, I I hated that, and I hated that because I, I imagine being someone who paid a fair amount of money to be to see virtually an entire match just televised. It's weird. 
Yeah. Did you hear about that, Jared? No, it sounds kind of like the uh, the whole Hardys thing where they uh, they did in that Impact where they they shot it all themselves at Jeff and Matt's house. It it was kind of like that. Randy Orton went to uh, got dropped off by a limo, no less, uh, uh, at a kind of house and uh, had a fight with uh, Bray Wyatt in in the house that was then supposed to end in the ring. Did it end in the ring? Yeah, it did. They 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 one of them at the end of the fight in the house. One of them got in the limo and left, and then they. They got to the stadium like three quarters of the way through the show. Did they stop and, um, off at a grocery store and hit each other with milk cartons? Sadly not. I would Smith. have been okay with that. I mean, that's that's an <laughs> old school throwback to. But the only thing Austin that didn't days. make any sense was only one of them got in the limo, so I don't know how the other got to the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> but he was just there waiting for him. He came out from like under the ring or something. Okay. And apparently had less stubble than he had in the video. Ah, there you go. That's a dead giveaway. Yeah, yeah which was quite amusing. But I, I kind of liked the match, but. It, I saw videos on YouTube from inside the arena where when it was playing on the on the Tron thing, all everyone in the arena was just like, bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> and uh, Adam had the same thing. I haven't seen that, but you just expect that because, you know, well, it's simple, isn't it? You've paid a lot of money and they're not doing any of the good stuff in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, they've literally lowered the lights on you and are playing a video. So, yeah. I suppose I, this is as bad as that. Yeah. And I, I suppose when we went to WrestleMania, that they really kind of do try and make it for the the audience as well although i seem to have, have a fairly strong memory of the playback for kid rock you know they when, when kid rock came in and did one of the intros was it for Cena? this was wrestlemania, WrestleMania 25. no it was for um taker wasn't it or was it just was it just for the show i can't even remember what what he did he, he did. Uh, what one kid rock played yeah he played um during the women's battle royal entrances so they all gotcha. came down that's it okay. as he was he was doing his medley of uh rip-offs yeah <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> allegedly 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 we still want to get on corolla's network <laughs> but but I, I recall i recall the audio in the in the house really didn't sound that great because you know they would have been bleed over from them the playback into his microphone so it, it oh okay the, you know you could you could kind of hear his voice but you know, I mean, who knows? He might have been lip syncing anyway. I don't think he was, but, um, but but yeah, it, it is interesting how they have to play that balance because it's it's such a massive audience. It's not like it's it's a it's a panel TV panel show or something that they're recording where they can stop and start, and it really is for TV and and the the mysteries in the edit. It is a live show that's broadcast to to the world, and that mm. that is there to entertain the audience as well. Because if you're not entertaining that crowd, the show that you're putting out isn't going to be as good. Yeah. So they have to strike that balance, and it's kind of it must be a challenge, I would imagine. But they clearly give up when they do things like what's it called, the House of Horrors? Did you say? Yeah, I think it was called that. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. You got the impression. I think they had noble intentions. They wanted to have you know Bray Wyatt, Eater of Worlds, creepy Southern State, all mm. that stuff. They wanted to capture that somehow, but it, they just went the wrong way about it. I think. Gotcha. Fair enough. I, I, I kind of liked it because it was silly, but then the reasons <laughs> I like most things are not the reasons that other people <laughs> like them. It's usually the reasons people hate them. Um, so, right, on this match, um, Adam, do you want to say what you thought of it first and then, Gerard, and then I'll just tag in with what I've got written down? I think the, the most of the match I quite enjoyed. I, you know, the, I think everybody would acknowledge that the women's division has grown massively and, and there's not you know it's nice to see a ladder match because the more physical stuff the more i guess 
stuff that you associate with being dangerous is the kind of stuff they should be doing now, and they're doing just as well. Yeah. But for me, for all that, and for all the good stuff, and for the talent, just the, the way they chose to end it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just go on. It's like you've, you've got this great thing, and then, okay, the guy's a joke, but you've still had a man going at the title. first. Yeah. Historic first, yeah. event for women, and you have a man going get the belt. Hmm. It did kind of feel like a men's rights activist got a hold of the script and decided and thought, no, this would be funny. Well, well yeah. <laughs> We're not getting on the WWE podcast network. Allegedly. <laughs> That's fair, though. Yeah, the ending um, seems to have played, after the event, seems to have played very badly with the internet and with fans to the point that... Did you watch SmackDown this week, Adam? I've managed to miss I'm, that one. Pretty sure what I read was that... Um, they took the briefcase off Carmella and then, and you know, shit fit ensued. And then they announced that they're going to have another women's in the bank, women, women in, women's in the bank, <laughs> money, women's money in the bank. They're going to have another women's money in the bank ladder match next Tuesday okay. on SmackDown, oh. which doesn't sound like the plan to me. That sounds like this is, this has gone the wrong way. And instead of, it putting um, making the fans hate Carmella and um, her chinless wonder, whose name I've forgotten. Ellsworth. So they're they're trying to maybe undo a little bit of that. I don't think it played the way played out the way they expected it to, and and for the reasons you just said. I mean, it just well, it feels like someone thought. I'll tell you what we'll do. Yeah. Well, as it was happening, I kind of thought, especially as Ellsworth and um, Money Pants were walking back up the ramp. I, I... Money pants. I forgot to address the money pants thing. Like I, I was gonna wear those tonight. I've got some of those. Do you remember those I bought? In I absolutely do. And in fact, one of my notes is uh, what, what was it? Um, money pants chick can't take a super kick because there was one moment where she, where she like turned before the foot got there. But anyway, uh, I, I thought they were what they were gonna do with it was uh, this match will continue kind of thing. Okay. Um, it looked like that because they were arguing at ringside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking. All like you know, Shane McMahon was going to come out and be like, "No, no, no, that's bullshit," and and be and you know do something. But I don't know. Yeah, it's funny that you say that though because it, it it had that complete feel to it. It like had that atmospheric change. You know, you could feel that uncertainty about what was going on. And I think even Carmella at one point looked like she did. She wasn't sure, and he thought, "This has got to be heading that way." Yeah. And I just sometimes they just seem to shoot themselves in the foot because, you know, if they'd been more definitive and just said, yeah, she's won, ring the bell, then, you know, yeah. you're saying, well, there's yeah. less discussion about it. But it, it just adds so many questions because, you know, for a future Money in the Bank match or any, you know, where they have a, a, a regular ladder match, anything like that. Can somebody now take the belt for someone else? Because the whole point was the person who gets it off the thing has won the match. It's, it, I don't know. It's yeah. weird. It, just, it doesn't make any sense why they decided to throw so much into it when it was a historic thing just for the event it was. There was um, a match in, I think it was in TNA a long time ago. I think it was one of those Ultimate X ones. Um, where they have the belt above the ring on that structure. And I think someone knocked the belt off and someone, yes. as it was falling, dove through and caught it. And that's the only the only equivalent thing I could think of. Like, they grabbed it before it hit the thing. And that's one of my notes here is actually, I wondered whether the Ellsworth-Carmella um, 
catch was practiced because she caught that thing like a champ. Like she had one hand ready and she just clamped it into the other one like that. You know, like it just, she literally sort of caught it like a clap between her hands. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's, that looks practiced. <laughs> like she's either very good at catching things or like that was practiced as fuck to make sure it didn't hit the floor. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was actually one spot that I made a note about that, that it, it was the only, the only kind of performance problem I had with the match, aside from uh, Money Pants not being able to take, take the super, super kick. Um, there was that bit at the start where, or toward the, the beginning, where was it Becky and Natalia were on each end of the ladder and fighting over it. They're like, oh, my ladder, my ladder. Here. It just seemed yeah, so contrived. That. It seemed like, oh, and then we'll get out there and we'll be like, my ladder, no, my ladder. It just seemed, I was like, oh, come on. That's, maybe I think they just could have done it better. It's a good idea, but I just don't, I don't think the execution was there. I, I have that, I literally have that in there. <laughs> Becky and that fighting over ladder. No, I, I really enjoyed that. It made me laugh because they were like, and then, didn't it end with Becky just being like, right, fuck you then, and just jabbing it yes, into it the did. tie, or the other way around? I think it was. I think. I think you're right. One of them went flying. That made me laugh. So, I mean, if it makes me laugh, then it wins. Fair enough. Um, I thought you were going to say the one negative I've got, which was that that Charlotte's moonsault looked like shit. Yeah, it did. That's true. I mean, it, um, it the was one brave. angle across the ring didn't look so bad, but the the, yeah. the angle they actually showed it from, it just she just landed on her feet, and actually, shit, hers usually look really good. Are you talking about the ring to mm. the floor one? A tall lady, you know. She can really do them, but that was not a good one. Was that the ring to floor spot that they did that you're talking about? Yeah, from the, yeah. he was on the court. He went over into Tamina and um, yeah, someone else. It might have been Natty, I forget. But yeah, that, that, I, I, mean, I thought that, that was it. It was a good spot, but you're right, the execution just wasn't there. It just didn't look right. It didn't look like it had any impact. The other, the one from across the ring where it looked like it took them all down looked fine, but it looked like she just kind of and shit. I can't do it, so I shouldn't talk, but. Um, the way she just went over and she just landed right on her feet just looked like she sort of landed next to him. It's like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and she's yeah. le legit Flair's daughter, right? It's not kayfabe. Yeah, Ashley, okay. Ashley um, Flair. Flair here. Uh, the, <laughs> Tamina was one I wanted to talk about a little bit, actually. I, I wasn't familiar with her at all. And so she's Jimmy Snooker's daughter. That's Jimmy Snooker's daughter. Okay. Yeah, Snooker. So she gets um, announced as, or, uh, as being from the Pacific Islands. Now, that was non-committed. Uh, yeah, well, well, I feel like that's kind of like a, an attempt at pushing a gimmick. And, and I feel like uh, the note I've got is that her gimmick seems kind of confused. Uh, she, she is what I'd refer to as a polygoth, which is a Polynesian goth. <laughs> okay, that's, yeah, she is just like, uh, she should be like uh, part High Chief Peter Maivere and part, like, biker. Gangrel. <laughs> Midian. <laughs> oh, not Midian. Oh, um, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I was I was just confused by her gimmick, and she seems like a heel, but but not a, an especially unpopular heel. She's not featured enough in the same way that the uh, Charlotte Flairs and, and Becky Lynches of the world are. I mean, I might be wrong, Adam. If you want to chime in, no, I, th I think that's spot on. She's she's always well. She's never been at the forefront, has she? I mean, if, if they actually push her for anything, you'd be surprised. You know, she's strong enough to be viable in making up the numbers, but. She doesn't have. There's not enough to her character. Sorry, I've still got Gerard stuff in my head about her character, but um, yeah, <laughs> it's like Moana, fuck the crow. <laughs> yeah, the crow, Crowana. <laughs> but the, the the athleticism in the match was amazing. That was that was one thing I really wanted to mention was that that I I've the, I guess the last women's match that I probably watched was something on Raw ages ago, and it was it was was 
it just kind of felt like both of them were very who I don't even remember who it was, but they were both very pretty young ladies who were clearly new in their career, and the athleticism in the match was really bad, and their audience reaction was really flat. The the the, the women's division they have right now, especially on SmackDown, although they moved a, a few people to Raw that I would have kept there. The, the six they had on SmackDown up until recently was the best women's division I think they've had in a very, very long time. Like the Raw ones treated less well, if that makes sense, in terms of the combinations and the matches and, and the, the people they're pushing and stuff. But they've got like, they've got a few very good people like Bailey and uh, uh, Sasha Banks on, on Raw still. It's just, it's just the, the, the division on SmackDown always seems stronger, which is why I was quite excited by this match. And it's it's a, I don't want to say it's a shame, but it it didn't go quite as well in terms of a man winning it that <laughs> yeah that I hoped. So um, any final thoughts, or should we move on to the next one? I have to move on to the next one. I thought it was a a, a, a fun match, but yeah, just ruined by a, a terrible call creatively at the end there, or confusion. Like like Adam was saying, I don't know. May, maybe something went wrong that we don't know mm. about productionally. No, I think that was. That played out exactly as it was meant to. I think they just expected the the result to be different with the audience. That's the one thing that I keep seeing with the with the pay per views and with, with the shows is just how little they seem to understand their audience. Sometimes the things mm. they think or play that are always going to be disastrous. And sometimes it feels like they just want these things to be over and done with so they can get to the next three hours they've got to produce. You know. Yeah. Okay. So next up was the tag team match, which was the New Day. Yes. Um, which is an act I'm still, I, I thought was still quite fresh, but I haven't seen them in a while. And against the Usos, who I had forgotten were the uh, SmackDown Tag Team Champions. <laughs> I thought you were going to say uh, I had forgotten were a thing. The funny thing was when I went to the SmackDown thing in London a couple of months ago, they were champions then. Oh. And, uh, and they came out and had a match, and I had completely forgotten that as well. So <laughs> My note for this one is New Day are fun. I, I, I've only seen them a couple of times. I think there was uh, last year when you were here, we... We watched some stuff that had them fe- that featured them, and it's like, where did Kofi Kingston's Jamaican accent go? Um, and but but I mean, they're all really solid performers, very athletic and and really charismatic, and their shtick clearly goes over massively with the audience. I think that they're exactly the sort of thing that that wrestling needs to to keep it in the minds and hearts of of, of people and keep people entertained. They've got their own cereal and they've got to sell that, so they're going to keep them face for a while. Yeah. <laughs> By contrast, though, I thought, yeah, and, and, and your uh, your lack of memory to, toward their, their involvement, the Usos really seemed just very generic. They were like, you know, the Bulldogs, but slightly different. You know, they, they really didn't seem to be... Yeah. There's nothing that differentiates them to me. Oh, we're mean guys. Listen to our gangster music. It's like, ah. They're, they're doing what I've got written down as classic heel shit, but it somehow just fails to excite. Like, they're doing it quite well. Yeah, you know, in in playing against the rules and attacking, you know, when they've got the advantage and the referee can't do anything about it, but it just doesn't really. It, it just seemed like a, the the boilerplate kind of heel script that they're following, and it's 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 not engaging to me. To Gerard's point on the new day, to me, a, a lot like you know Big Cass and Enzo on Raw, it's a strong gimmick, but my God, am I tired of it? Right. Okay. I, I wondered. It's if you'd fresh say that. to me, so yeah, I, I can see why you would be tired of it after a while, though. But it's interesting because like, you said about the Tamina thing and, and the the gimmick, but I, I kind of see that in the Usos as well because there used to be a much more kind of tribal thing going on, to my mind anyway, and now it just seems generic, half-ass gang nonsense. It just doesn't. I don't know. It just doesn't. It doesn't come over well. I get your point, Mark, and I, I actually quite like the Usos. I like. 
I like how they how they play in the ring, but it just I think it's too generic a gimmick for it to carry any weight. You don't really care. It's weird. I've seen them talk on on the Talking Smack, the sort of after party talk show they do for SmackDown on the network, and they come across quite well on that. But it just doesn't transfer to TV. A lot of people seem to go on there and come across quite well because they allow them to talk. Yeah. When they probably should be just allowing them to bloody talk in the ring. One of the announcers made reference to the fact that they used to be more like the New Day and that they were kind of more bouncy, happy. I kind of like they were, the, when they were doing the uh, Samoan tribal. Type right. Thing. I, I kind of wonder if they they kind of they pulled a bit of a Rocky Maivia on them in that. You know, when Rock when when the Rock was first in, he was you know High Chief Peter Myveers and Rocky Johnson's die Rocky son, die. and die Rocky die with all the with the, the tassels and stuff. Yeah, and then when he, when he did his heel that. heel turn, everyone loved him all of a sudden. So it was I, I wonder if it's if they thought oh we can do that with Usos as well, but it just hasn't worked. Yeah, but let's not do it with Roman Reigns, eh? That's who I was trying to think of earlier on. Okay, he's mm. he's he's the guy who's like to, to Adam's point, who's just doing classic heel shit, and it's not going. It's going over like a pancake. It's just apparently not. It doesn't everyone hate him? They hate him, but he's not a heel. That's the problem. Oh, he's not a heel. Oh, all right. No, he's, he's he's like the, the current John Cena type on on Raw. Oh. I quite like him. Yeah, Adam quite likes him. Oh, okay. I haven't seen him in he's well over a year, so I don't I don't know. He's 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 like your opinion of John Cena when you stabbed me in the eye that time, where you're like, I don't care what you say, that man's good for the business. <laughs> and um, it's true, he is, and I quite like watching him, but it's undeniable that the fans, whether it's tiresome or not, they, they do enjoy booing him and they, they, they want something else from him. And possibly to their benefit, the company is not listening to that. And they, gotcha. they want to just keep going with it and they're, they're, they're going to they're gonna get it over regardless. They're going to make it over regardless. Yeah, the other thing I would say is, I think I think it was Raw this week, actually. They did have him doing a spot about making a point about that I'm the guy who retired The Undertaker. Yeah. And, you know, almost inviting that negativity. And they've, I think the last couple of months, they have done more towards that. But like you say, they're still just, they're too pussyfooting around it to actually commit to it and just push the guy. But I mean, he sells a lot of merchandise, apparently. So oh, the kids okay. love him. Okay. And, and I think a certain degree of male audience members, Adam, love him. And um, apparently he's very popular with the ladies. Well, that wouldn't surprise so me because he's, you know, he's a tall, good looking fella. So, but... He's certainly here. <laughs> yeah. I'll just say on one final note that Biggie, he always looks to me like a badly photoshopped guy. And somebody's got all the proportions just wrong. <laughs> okay, because he's so massive. Or like the sliders yeah. on, like when you when you're doing the, the the sliders on the on a wrestling game, and you just kind of put them all up except the lower <laughs> lower half of the body, and it just looks all. They just get wider. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Okay. So after that came the little backstage thing with Sergeant Slaughter, uh, Sergeant Slaughter meeting someone, and I didn't know who it was for a while, and I was like, oh shit, that's Cowboy Bob Orton, and he looks old as hell. Doesn't now. he just? Yeah. When he got grabbed at that point later on, I actually thought, no, that's that's not right. Leave him alone. He's not going to stand up to that kind of... The frail old man. He had a broken arm for 20 years. <laughs> I was surprised he didn't have the arm cast on. Yeah. I don't know why he wasn't wearing that. But that do you know that, Adam? Do, do you remember that era? It, well, the only thing I would say, they were, they were probably afraid that if they showed him in any kind of cast, people would be generally worried for him. Oh, there is that. I suppose he did Given that he looked fairly old and frail, that's probably fair, yeah. yeah. They thought, nah, maybe not. In case anyone of any note listens to this, he could probably still beat me 
very comfortably. Oh, but, well, yep. yeah, they, all three of us could be standing in front of him, you know, and he could whoop the shit out of us, I'm sure. Yeah, him and him and Baron Ron, Von Rasky doing this shit yeah. <laughs> with his hand. That was amazing. <laughs> like, no one in this building remembers me! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So after that, we had the the actual women's championship match, or the SmackDown women's championship match. Yes. Which was um, Between... uh, Naomi versus uh, Lana, who's who's basically this is her in ring debut. Yeah, they were saying that she had one match like a year was ago in a, or something. In a six woman match, or maybe more than that, or eight women match at the uh, WrestleMania of the year, so 2016. So not this year's WrestleMania. But the one before. So she led a team against someone else, I think. And they had like a, essentially a match where she didn't really do much and everyone else took most of it. Um, so that was her, her first thing. So this is essentially her singles debut in a championship match, which I think some people have been a bit like she hasn't earned it. But Judging, um, judging by her Russian accent, though, she's from the same part of Alaska that Sarah Palin can see from her house. It was <laughs> terrible. I, okay. It was <laughs> terrible. Bad. Come on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, it made, it made me laugh, and it's it's fun. Yeah. It, it was fun, but it was like, oh, oh, sweetheart. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> framed the entire introduction to this match by the fact that they introduced her in SmackDown by a series of promotional videos that was basically her being a stripper. Oh, did they really? It was literally like it was like. Cheesy jazz music. Like, bah, 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 look at my legs. Bah, 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 I've got boobies, and that was it. I might look those up. <laughs> well, and I thought they were going to go for the whole Russian stick stick with her um, her intro as well, but it was that kind of music. It was like a generic wrestler intro track number twelve. It was like, why didn't they go for? If they're going for like her being Russian heel type person, then surely you have a you know having a manager bare chested on a horse or something, and you go the full Putin angle. Well, she they did that because um, she was the manager for Rusev, who's actually Bulgarian, I think. But they, for a while, they promoted him as the champion of the Russian Federation. And um, at one of the WrestleManias, he came out on a on a tank. <laughs> <laughs> so they've, they've 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 taken that as far as it can go. They brought him out on a tank, waving a Russian flag. Yeah, that and she was the, That's why she's the ravishing Russian uh, the Bulgarian okay. brute. Which was a double act. It's a shame that's not together anymore. The 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 the, the casual racism in the, uh, the the title match, the men's title match later on is, you know, it's kind of refreshing to see that the WWE isn't really moving with the times. Aside from mentioning hashtag and social media about a thousand fucking times, but to go back to this match, I, I, the, the it was my first introduction to Naomi, at least the first I remember, and uh, and I'm quite proud of this. Her glow stick was fun. Mm. Hashtag glow <laughs> No, I thought her intro, her like cyber goth UV light yeah. intro was amazing. <laughs> no, no, I've written down, I love this entrance. I've got it, here. <laughs> it was great. Because so, she just seems I, to add I, more I, bits. Yeah. I would be as enthusiastic, very much so, and very gyratory. Yeah. So the slide and everything in the, I mean, you know, with the black light stuff or whatever it is. The, the sort of bouncing around and everything. I just I just think it's a great entrance, and she always just seems to be so happy doing it. Yeah. I mean, surely doing that every night would A, hurt your knees, and B, grind you down after a while, but she just seems to, you know, well, I was just get thinking, on with it. And I, kind of, I was just thinking, sorry, I, I was just thinking she wasn't going to have enough energy left for, for the match, you know? It was like, that's such a high-energy entrance that she's going to be like a... She was only fighting Lana. She probably didn't need to reserve that much. That's, oh. a, that's a very good point. It was. She, I mean, Lana's not, not the, the t- top-notch worker, is she? I mean, she was... 
a, a little bit sloppy, I thought. And the screaming got kind of annoying. Yeah, well, she's still getting there. I mean, this is her first Yeah, one, but really. why, why, why put her in her first match, uh, a pay-per-view well, she was, a she was quite match. popular as, a, as, a, as the sort of manager of LA, whatever you want to call it, for Rusev. So I, I guess that and the fact that they couldn't put her in the ladder match, but they still wanted to have Naomi have one. You've got no one left. Otherwise. Oh, really? Okay. So, and okay. she's just she's just made her big debut. So let's. I mean, it was a fudge, but they they made it kind of work. But yeah, I think I think people probably got a bit pissed off that she hadn't kind of earned it or whatever. Yeah. Um, I just think it's a bit like Serena Williams versus Anna Kornikova. You know, you've got the American talented who's actually good at what she does, and then the just glamorous one who everybody likes. Let's be honest, because she's glamorous. Uh, fair. Yeah. I I don't know. I thought I thought there was a lot of kind of uh, aggression in it as a match, and I I thought it it worked ultimately. But you, you're right. I mean, she's not that great, but then a lot of people aren't. Uh, the, oh, I know what it was. I really liked it was when um, Naomi was going to do a dive at the top corner onto Lana or into Lana, and Lana just moved because Naomi wasted too long on the top of the rope signaling the move. Yeah. And no one really does that. It's like you know you go up on the top rope and you're like I'm going to do my big move, and then they just take it. And Lana was just like. No, I'm going to go over here then, <laughs> you know, and you don't get that enough. And I, I mean, yeah, it's only little things, but it made me, uh, you know, it made me laugh, really. And I kind of enjoyed it. The trouble now, with that is, though, if, you, if they do that too much, then virtually none of the finishing moves would ever work. Basically, it just it just ends up with WWE being MMA. There is a way to just have a character who essentially uses the mechanics of the matches against themselves. So to sharpen the performers, you know, to kind of like. I, I've studied how you work and I'm going to just duck out the way of your shit. And then someone like Becky Lynch can go in and destroy him because all she's going to do is break their arm. You know, like, I think that's all I've got uh, to say about that match, though. I mean, it was, it was fine. Yeah. The, the Carmella coming out bit, I wondered whether the ultimate point of all of it was to, uh, to move Lana into a thing with Carmella, ultimately, mm, like for them have a rivalry and shift it off to the side so that Carmella doesn't have to cash in that briefcase immediately. Well, I assume... Assuming she still has the briefcase in a week. Um, for them to well have a rivalry over there. I'd be well up for that feud if it ended up with Rusev taking on Ellsworth. Oh, that would be so good. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like that she came out. And I like, I, I don't know, I, I kind of thought that was good. You know, the reappearance there, just to be in the, the cocky, I've got the briefcase. I mean, she kind of showed, like if you say Lana wasn't heelish enough, then, then you know, Carmella coming out like that and then going, I'm going to cash in and be like, you know, you just carry on. Yeah, like it, it, it was like it placed her as almost the top bad mm-hmm. girl on SmackDown a bit. So, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, which I think might be a nice position for her. I mean, she's still a little bit um, untested in her own way, but uh, I mean, she's got the character down. She knows it pretty well at this point. So, right, shall we move on to the next one? Yeah, let's. Next up, we had the Fashion Vice segment. Yeah. Moving on. I was just going to say, if you're not a fan of subtlety and you like blunt jokes or anything else, you are going to thoroughly enjoy the latest offering from Michael Bay. Oh, right. Okay, maybe we'll do a couple of minutes on that at the end. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think a couple of minutes will allow the roiling anger to surface. Um, well, maybe come back next week and I'll try yeah. and see it. <laughs> So, yeah, after that, we had the Mike and Maria Canellis thing. Yeah. Um, the audience didn't seem into it, was my no. major note. Like, I felt like they should have known who they were. Also, I kind of like that they had the, the, the sort of the singer 
mics like the that. Lav you mics, know, the, yeah, the, yeah. They had those, but they she was always fiddling with hers, and it was kind of like, oh no, don't don't it, touch it. Cool because everyone's used to everyone coming out and holding the stick, you know, and um and she just kept fiddling with hers because maybe it was on wrong or it wasn't loud enough or it wasn't close enough to her mouth, but you know she kept fiddling with it and it, it drew attention to it, which kind of dumbed down the confidence of her first lady of wrestling shtick, um, which was a shame. But uh, yeah, I feel yeah, like if, if, you that, go, if you're going to do that, if you want to avoid having that the handhelds, either do a clip on or do a boom and keep the shot tight. You know, because you don't have to have the the shot of them from the ring toward the the ramp. You know, where they're standing. Oh, I you thought just... no, but I thought giving them the, uh, the 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 you know the earpiece. Yeah, lab mics, whatever. It gave them something unique because no one really has those. Yeah, fair enough. But but it just seemed like they all they did was draw attention to it, and I, I thought that was a shame. I feel like um, they, they wrote that music for them thinking that, that it was going to be a big thing because that seemed fairly elaborately produced. That, 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 with all the hearts. Well, the, the music in particular was, was kind of like a fully produced studio track, it sounded like. So unless it's, unless it's something that's been used before that I, I just haven't heard, it sounded like no, they're I, really... I think it was made for them. It sounded like they're really putting a lot of effort to try and make this a thing and, and by the audience's reaction, I, I think they might be hitting the, the abort button a little bit. Or, I don't know, maybe they'll give it... An, I, I hope they give it another couple of goes, maybe it'll go over, but... Well, I mean, they'll be on. They were probably on SmackDown this week. They're probably on next week. It'll be how they transition that into whatever they're going to do with Mike and whether Maria's becomes a, you know, a women's wrestler again, or whether she sticks with him as a mouthpiece. And is this I mean, is this is this, is this his introduction to the company? Has he come over from ROH for this? Yeah, he was. Uh, I think the last place I saw him was TNA, but they've been oh. a double act for a while because they've done ROH. They did Japan, one of the Japan companies, and then they did TNA, and now they're WWE. So they've they've been doing. She's been the first lady of wrestling since ROH, oh. and he's they've been together as a double act for a while. Are they so legitimately then, a pair. Yeah, they got married years ago. Oh, okay, good fun. Um, in ROH, I think. Where I said good for them, then sounded like like yeah, fine, okay. He got her first. <laughs> fine, good for them. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not angry about it. No, not at all. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see where they go with it because it felt like it was supposed to be. Just a big, exciting segment, and it and it was nothing. It was a, probably a piss break for most people, you know. Yeah. So, um, which was a shame. But anyway, yeah. any anything else on it, Adam? No, I think I think that's that's exactly what I'd say. I mean, you think about some of the some of the entrances we've had in the last twelve months and the reaction. Like you think AJ Styles when he came in was it Royal Rumble he came in? Yeah, it I was think. the Rumble. Yeah. Nakamura's first appearance at SmackDown. Mm. They were off the chart, the excitement. And you could, like you say, I think Gerald's spot on. You thought that was going to happen, and you, you felt that they thought that was going to happen, but it just didn't land. Just didn't, mm. either the recognition wasn't there, or people knew it was coming, but whatever happened, they just didn't get the response. Yeah, I suppose on a, on a show that had some tinnier moments, it was just another one, really. Um, yeah, so that that then led into uh, the the WWE Championship match. Yeah, then you have uh, the, the what I thought was a really good uh, uh, hype video actually for for the whole what Jinder's been doing, you know, and his whole uh, heel shtick, um, and then Orton's trying to get his championship belt back, which he lost to him, and and. Um, yeah, and then they had the match, so I'll let you guys go with it. Yeah, I thought ha- that, to, to, with that video, I thought having sections in either Hindi or Punjabi, I think, I'm not sure which, because uh, he's clearly Punjabi, and he's, I think his announcer's being from Punjabi. Canadian. 
Oh, he's Canadian, okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, having the sections with... He was trained Indian... by Lance Storm. Oh, really? Okay. And Indian yeah. language and then, like, Indian news and stuff was was, was kind of fun. Um, but, yeah, the the whole thing just had a bit of a whiff of the... of the. Look at the other. Here's something different, but the non-contentious I'm not other. from here. Look at my crazy passport. <laughs> Look at my crazy passport! But but it seems like they're, 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 they're trying to be a bit smarter with that. You know, unlike... What was the name of the team back in the day when it was like right around 2002 or three when they just had straight-up terrorists on, on, on screen? Oh, they, they got into a lot of trouble for that. Yeah. Um, the guy's name was... Um... I forget, I forget who it was, but yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. But it seems like they're trying to, while you think about that, it seems like what they're trying to do is like that they're, they're ha- they're, they're, they've got that, but from a, a, a slightly less contentious area because we don't have a fight, we don't have a fight with India. So <laughs> put, put them from there, you know, and we've still got the you know, Middle Eastern that Trump fans can, can shake their fists at. But it, yeah, it just, it just felt like something from a slightly different era to me and, ha- and coming into it so cold as well. It was very. It was kind of jarring. Yeah, I don't. I, I think it's jarring anyway. I mean, the the f- is interesting for me anyway with Jinder Mahal because when I first started getting into it, he was still a joke. You know, he was mm. still seen as he's just a jobber who's not very good. And any time he was in a match, you knew he was there to get a spanking. And obviously, he went away, hit the weights like a madman, became this absolute beast. And then they suddenly thought, oh, he looks quite impressive now. How can we use him? Do people realise he's Indian? No, he's not actually Indian. Yeah, but if we put a turban on him, <laughs> then we can say he's Indian. Oh, OK, he's Indian now. Um, and it was... Have we, we laboured that point enough? No, let's make it sound like he is the most important thing that India has ever produced, ever, but they haven't produced him. It's right. like, like it's the different era stuff, but as much as I get it, the there's different fans out there who appreciate different things. You kind of feel like it can't help. You know, you've got India, the, the a growing economic superpower in the world yeah. that is overtaking pretty much everyone but China lately. But no, the greatest thing to come out of it is this slight bit of a joke of a wrestler. You know, it's, it's that, that level of stereotype where you just think, is this really going to ingratiate you into that, as Adam rightly points out, massively growing market that you could potentially get into? So, uh, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know what they're thinking or whether they're thinking with that. But um, the other aspect of the, of the opening of the match was, you know, the, we already talked about a little bit, the showing of all the, uh, the folks that Randy had supposedly invited to ringside. Yeah, okay. And I wanted to ask this question as, as people who are more into it. How in the hell is Flair a two-time Hall of Famer? How does that work? Ah, so he went in as Flair. Yeah. And he went in again as part of the Four Horsemen. Oh. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, because I, I, it made me laugh when they announced him as the only w, two-time WWE Hall of Famer. Yeah. Man. And he stood up and he was like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was wondering. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I made up the whole backstory in my mind of like, oh, he defected to TNA and they took him out and then he came back and they put him back in. <laughs> <laughs> the only man removed and he, uh, interned in the WWE Hall. Interned. <laughs> I couldn't think of the right word. It's entirely the wrong word, isn't it? But the, the match. Um, I mean, I, I honestly don't have anything to say about the match. 
it is Orton. Uh, I, I could I care so little about Randy Orton. When did they start calling him the Viper? Was that like ten years ago now? Because I've never heard him call, them call him that before. Him, him He's that been before. the Viper for a while. The most amazing part of that was Adam. Do you remember the uh, WrestleMania entrance? Yes. So, do you want to explain it, or shall I? You should explain it. So, they had a video ramp, quite a long video ramp at this okay. year's WrestleMania. And, um, and I believe he addressed this on Twitter and called it what I'm going to call it. Um, but he had to walk down. And essentially, on the video, there was a snake slithering <laughs> down the ramp on him as he was walking. But it looked like a giant sperm. <laughs> and it looked like he rode a giant sperm. To him. <laughs> okay, i, I got to find video of that. Like, That's hilarious. I, you know, at least you didn't have to ride a giant sperm to the ring at WrestleMania. <laughs> well, I kind of respect him for that. I mean, I've never, you know, you know, you know, I've never been a massive fan of him as a performer with his, uh, mm. his, his, you know, a, a alien and predator tattoos and his barrel of ink yeah. arms, and and I just find him d deeply dull. I think he's okay as a performer. I think, you know, he relies far too much on the RKO, in my opinion. And I know a lot of people like him, and and he's very, very successful. It's a personal thing for me. I don't think he's a bad performer in any way. Um, it's just not my thing. So uh, the not my thing versus don't know slash slightly racist. Couldn't, yeah, the match really held very little appeal to me. But if you guys have points about it and want to discuss it, then I won't stand in your way. Well, my, my main note is I started falling out of it because it was just like I, I was trying to pay attention to it, but it didn't really grab me. I'm, I'm not really sold on the, the Jinder Mahal thing. Um, I get that there are a lot of people who seem to like him at this show in London. There was a lot of people like, don't hinder the gender, you know, like that they, they aren't, they, they're fans essentially either that or they've decided they're going to get behind him for, you know, cause why not? He's new and he's a young guy. And on Jinder Mahal, yeah. sorry, sorry to interrupt, but on Jinder Mahal, it does seem kind of like they've got, Ooh, it's the great Carly Mark two and that he can actually talk and doesn't look like he's you know got brain damage moving in slow motion <laughs> yes and it's not just boring squashes and it was interesting adam was saying that they brought him in to be the squashy uh you know originally in his uh, when yeah. he was when he was kind of a joke it seems like he's, he was the inverse of that and now he's this kind of beastly guy but i don't know it's 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 interesting but not really enthralling i guess i could describe it as but sorry karen adam yeah, yeah. i i i can't i want to be one round by it but as yet he you know, I like his snarly face. You know, the, this year. Yeah, I like that. That makes me laugh. But um, otherwise, I yeah. The, the most exciting thing to come out of one of the matches is that I think I sent it to you, didn't I, Gerard? And and Adam probably saw it when Randy Orton dropped one of his boys on his head. Yeah. And he walked away from it and made that face like, oh, I fucked yeah. up. He <laughs> <laughs> looked like he'd killed one of the Bollywood boys <laughs> and, uh, by dropping him on the announce table on his neck and. Mm. Uh, and he just walked away like, yeah, that was, I, I like that. Which that was, was I think amazing. they showed it in the video package for this match, but they showed it from an angle where it didn't look like it killed him, and they didn't show his like, oh, face. I was just going to say two things. Right? I mean, the one that's interesting is a counterpoint to Gerard's thing about the RKO. Is I'm quite fascinated by how powerful they're making out. Is is it the Coloss they call it? Is sort of weird half Nelson slam type yeah. thing. That, that that seems to just clear everyone out. It's like you take someone by surprise with that move and they're out for a three count. But the other thing is what we were hinting at earlier with the, like you say, Orton's invitees at the side of the ring. The problem with that, I felt, is when he when he did grab, you know, Daddy Orton, you, you just you were looking at like Sergeant Slaughter and Ric Flair and thinking 
why are you just sitting there and taking that? Like, I know he looks fairly frail, but you guys are still in reasonable shape. Surely you'd be reacting. But Sergeant sort of just looked like I do when my son has a biscuit and he shouldn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking what that face was. And I was like, yeah, I could imagine it. <laughs> yeah, like mild disapproval, but acceptance that, you know. Flair was probably smiling. No, he did. It's like he started smiling and then realised he should look concerned and changed at one point. Anything else? If not, we'll move on to the main event. Oh, oh no, hang on a minute. There's one match. <laughs> was there? Yeah, there was Brizango versus the Mystery oh, Opponent. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which uh, I, I, I actually thought maybe from that video, you know, the the, the thing in the, the fashion vice thing earlier, like the, the mystery video, maybe it was going to be something exciting. It really wasn't. Um, I didn't know anyone I, in this match at all. Uh, Tyler Breeze is actually pretty good, who's the blonde Canadian guy. Okay. With all the furry selfie stick. He was... Oh, I he, think I've seen him before, didn't he had like a paparazzi kind of thing, didn't he? Yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, he was doing selfies as he walked to the ring, so his ring entrance video was hit on the selfie stick. Oh. And in NXT, he was very briefly in the championship picture and, and was really good in those matches and then came to the SmackDown or whichever he started. I think he started on SmackDown. Um, and then kind of was sinking, and then they put him in a tag team with someone else who was sinking, and now it's a sunken tag team. Yeah. So... Um, and then the, the Ascension again, were they were just kind of Road Warrior-esque. Legion kind of Doom, of... exactly. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, their, their makeup looks like it takes a long time. I think it's the thing I can, <laughs> best thing I can say about them. <laughs> Effort into that. But yeah, yeah, the match did nothing for me. The only note I have is, is like I showed Gerard earlier on, it just says, uh, Erg. Yeah. So, um, I, I remember when I got reintroduced into it and the first time I saw the Ascension, my words are exactly the same as Gerard's. They're just a cheap Legion of Doom. And they don't even have the cool rubber spikes. Yeah. Yeah. I like their music. I like the... Like, they used to have quite a cool entrance with that where the camera would point up and they'd be bent down and they'd sort of... Hang on a minute, let me try and do it on the video here. As the, as the music played, they'd be like... Into it like that. Oh, okay. As the music played. And I thought that was kind of cool because it looked like they had a little Rey Mysterio ramp. But they were just doing it on the cheap. Like this... Well, it, it is literally like they were the Ascension. Ah, uh, oh, there you go. The bend. <laughs> the, the bend. The bend. That's a more appropriate name. Yeah. <laughs> That's the trouble with the music. It's like if you were at a death metal concert and then a glam rock band came on, you, you wouldn't be at all. Just be like, oh, that's slightly disappointing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I felt like most of the people in the... Uh, in the stadium, this was the time to go and get that hot dog or program or collector's cup before they, uh, you know, before yeah. the main yeah. event. That's yeah. all it was. It I was just a right, breather. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, then we went into the actual, uh, the men's Money in the Bank, uh, which was the main event. Um, who wants to go? I, think, I can't remember if I told you, but I predicted Corbin would win it from the yeah, start. And then I followed that up by saying, and when he does, I will be very angry. So suffice to say you are... Theresa May. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm running through fields of wheat here, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's It was just, when he came out and attacked Nakamura, I, I always have problems with that because, like, if you're going to do that kind of thing, do it well. Like, don't just have him land a couple of blows and then we're supposed to think he's out of action. Uh, do it like Triple H did to Stone Cold in, yeah. was it 2000? 
Yes, when it was. He, he batted the hell out of him, and he looked like something out of a vampire film on the way down to the Royal Rumble. Oh, and yeah, the the one Rumble that was, wasn't yep, it? Yeah, it yeah was. I remember that. Yeah, mm-hmm. That was great. And It's like Nakamura's tough, and he's experienced, and Corbin just got the jump on him, and then he's supposed to be out of action for the start of the thing. It was like, well, I'd, I've said this before, but there's some wrestlers that they push, and I just don't get it. I think, do you know what, Corbin, he just looks like he was a very angry child. Sorry, did... did, did, did... Gerald just laughed for the same reason I laughed because I thought of um, Jerry Corbin. Corbin. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. Imagining him in a singlet and it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Just, just get attacked by a big guy. <laughs> Please don't hurt me. Theresa May sent this guy. <laughs> no, but I, I, I completely agree on that entrance, and especially as they got the timing with bringing the lights up wrong. You know, uh, obviously I haven't seen Nakamura's entrance before, but it's clearly very- dark and flashy and and it, 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 the attack had kind of begun before we could even see it happening and the camera was kind of too close as well which you know it's a live show so whatever but still it feels like they they planned that they should have had it out back somewhere i think and you know maybe a camera burst into nakamura's dressing room and he's there lying on the floor in a pool of blood or something but not blood these days something like that where it's believable that he would be out for that long of the match but yeah it seemed like he got whacked a couple times and then he was gone for two-thirds of the match it didn't make any sense yeah, that's spot on. That is spot on. I mean, it's it's to me, it's not just the fact that it happened the way it did. It, it's the lack of forethought. Like we talk about engaging with the universe, the Nakamura theme tune is one of those crowd moments. They all join in. They all yeah. love singing, and then they interrupted it. And it's like one of the big things that the crowd are going to get on with. Well, I would say actually that was another one of those tin ear moments where they thought they would get more booze and more uh, uh, heat on um, on Baron Corbin by by having him interrupt that big moment. But it, it didn't kind of work because I don't think, I think they just kind of nothinged him some more, you know? Yeah, that's, that's like, that was the problem. It's like a relentless noise thing, isn't it? You know, basically people are going, oh, they're not thinking about it. So they're mm. not, they just want to be shouting. Uh, and yeah. Baron Corbin. Fuck Baron Corbin. <laughs> he he does yeah. seem extremely crap. I mean, he just seems like a biker dude to me. I mean, I, I, I it's very I, 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 at times he would show up in you know the foreground of the match if there was something going on in the ring, and I'd be like, who the hell is that? And I just had he he was very another one of those nondescript heels. I I, I don't I, I'm with you. I don't see why they why they're pushing him. Um, and I really see I, one of my notes is like this. I like this Nak, Nakamura guy so far. Uh, when he yeah. after he he came in. Um, and one thing I was really impressed, you talk about the, the audience chanting his theme music. They obviously played it to begin with, but after it had faded out, they were still singing it. And I was like, man, he is big time over if they're, if they're you know, woeing along to his music and it's not even playing. This is probably only his second match as well, I think. Seriously? He did his wow. thing at the last pay-per-view. I don't think he's done much on television. I thought he was a great uh, worker. Uh, I don't think the gums done too much. Three or four of the Smackdowns, I think. He hasn't had any... Obviously, he had the big one with Ziggler. Um, mm. What was that one? Backlash. Backlash. And he, but he's had a. But it's mostly been team stuff. Like he was with Zayn and uh, AJ Styles facing up against Owens, Corbin, and uh, Ziggler. Okay. Um, done that kind of thing with him. But he's he's great to watch. He, he, is. he is. He is good fun to watch. And there's, well, yeah. It's just it's Corbin. The thing I would say about Baron Corbin is he. 
like to me he feels like he should have been the fifth member of the Wyatt family and he just didn't arrive soon enough but he's got okay. exactly the same kind of look exactly the same kind of attitude but just not quite enough hair to pull it off <laughs> you can sum you can sum Nakamura up with like his first two appearances on Smackdown were just him dancing down to the ring but it's still one of the most effective introductions I've ever seen cool. to a point where I think I think I phoned Mark and said, fucking hell, he has got just ridiculous amounts of charisma, this guy. It doesn't matter what he does. I want to see it. And then your son phoned me to tell me he was his favorite wrestler. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, and it took, <laughs> it took nothing for me. Like, he came home from school, like he's only just getting into wrestling, telling me like they all do that his favorite was John Cena. And obviously, I was immediately kind of like, "No, we're fixing that." But I showed him <laughs> fine like, parenting. Sir. I think two introductory videos, just the ones of him dancing down to the ring to the violinist from SmackDown, and then one excerpt of some of his best moves, and then that's all he wanted to talk about. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the. Um, uh, do you remember the Sandman from a few years back? He was nothing but entrance. It's kind of like that yeah. where he's got the, the, the entrance gimmick, but also has the moves and the ability and the skills in the ring to back it up. He really can. I, I'm, I just I worry that they're not going to... Possibly that, yeah. because he's, his English isn't as perfect as someone's, you know, that the, they're not really going to go with him like they should. Yeah, well, no, but that's the thing. Like, Please, I worry that they, don't they do won't that, allow yeah. him to get to the the top level he should be, because he should be champion within the year, really. Um, well, they did, I, some of the nice stuff with SmackDown, they had, like, like I said, because they've had him playing off with AJ Styles and Sami Zayn quite a lot, they had, you know, they, they had this habit of showing Zayn being way over the top enthusiastic and yeah, wanting... Yeah, yeah. I kind of enjoy that, actually. Yeah, yeah, they, they played that with, with him and AJ Styles, with Nakamura, and AJ Styles watches Sami Zayn go... And Nakamura just turns to AJ Styles and says, I like him. And it, it, was, <laughs> it was really brilliantly. And it, it actually worked. Like, they used it. And it impressed me that whoever was making those decisions got that spot on, that they used his broken English in a way that was neither insensitive, racist, and was actually effective. That's fair, yeah. For me, the standout moment by a country mile was when Nakamura and Styles mm. came face to face. And you could feel, you could just feel the atmosphere. Everybody was, and that for me, if that isn't something they go heavy on in the future, yeah. I think. Oh, well, I, the thing is, how do you keep them apart till WrestleMania? Because that deserves to be a Mania match for both of them. Um, but I just don't know how you keep them apart for another nine months to, yeah. to do it. I hope they do do it for WrestleMania because it doesn't deserve to be blown off, even for a SummerSlam level event. It, it should be the Mania match because it will be it'll steal the damn show. So. The only thing um, I think on that, and it is probably me dreaming, is if you have Nakamura styles and they were willing to push Nakamura, do you, again, dipping into the New Japan stuff, do you go for Lesnar Nakamura? Um, it depends. Well, I mean, I, I think we all know there's a story that leads to Roman Reigns versus Lesnar next year at WrestleMania. So it's not going to happen before then, is it? So you yeah, could true. do it, but it would have to be, I think it would probably have to be post-WrestleMania to not make it look worse on anyone else. And it'd have to be post a sh another shake-up because obviously they're, they're on different shows at the moment. Um, 
Strowman, though. I mean, is he going to be facing Lesnar? Or is, 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 I don't know. It just they I seem... think they'll do Strowman Lesnar at SummerSlam. I think that's what they'll go with. But unless they've announced anything else, obviously. But I think that's the way things are pointing. Mm. Um, Joe uh, Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar is the next one they're doing at uh, WWE Great Balls of Fire, which is <laughs> no. But I think that'll be a really good match. Really. Yeah, because I think I think Samoa Joe is one of the few people you could you could almost say could almost stand toe to toe with him on a brutish level, That's rather true. than just him just you know suplexing it at them fifteen times and the match is over. Um, I think that'll be competitive, but it'll be hard fought and lost, um, or it'll be five seconds and they'll make Samoa Joe look like shit. Yeah, um, do you know, I, I have a feeling with that match that they're gonna have. Joe do something completely underhand sneaky and take the title. I don't know why. I just have that's my feeling with what they're going to go with for it. No, I think I'm pretty sure Lesnar holds that title for a year. I'd like that, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. But then, I mean, I'd I'd welcome it. But I think Lesnar will beat all comers and then eventually Roman Reigns will be the one to dethrone him in a year. I presume they're both on Raw, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I I figured we would have seen them in this pay-per-view if not. No, no. Yeah, well, Lesnar's absentee championship, so he comes back whenever he wants. Oh, okay. Because he's only under contract for, like, four things a year or something oh, stupid. Really? I don't know. The, the, as a whole, I didn't. I quite enjoyed watching the show because I haven't sat down and watched one of these things just in one sitting in a while. Um, so I kind of enjoyed it because I was, I was sat watching something. But, I mean, objectively wasn't as good as the other ones I've watched lately. And... Over the course of it, there seemed to be quite a lot of clangers dropped. But I think it, it was like how I would describe it is it snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. It, it had did. so much that could have been good, and it just didn't work. Didn't it? It was unsatisfying at the end. I think that's the thing. Yeah, the yeah, end. The ending definitely. It definitely felt like 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 it, it built and built and built and then flattened out and and then just kind of fizzled off and ended. There wasn't the. Uh, the, the the ending uh, with the, with those kind of pay per views you want you want it can't be tied up in the pay per view you want to leave it on a on a crescendo where the shows then start to tie up the the you know bring it back down to earth I feel like that those have been my favorite pay per views in the history like you know the the Austin heel turn on the Rock that sort of thing is is, is where, where it's like what the hell just happened fade to black WWE oh, co- okay. copyright so WWE two thousand one I don't want it to be you tied don't... up. You don't want them to go home happy. In which case, so the Corbin, although it was another tin-eared kind of version of that, the Corbin shock win probably should have been that. It should have but been, but they just didn't execute of, it very well. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, like Adam said, you have all these guys who are the megastars and him. Right. And as much as they've been nudging him towards it for a while, like any one of those guys, you know, the Ziggler, AJ Owens, uh, Nakamura should have won, really. Yeah. You probably, I mean, the odds would have been on them more than they would have been on Corbin. But that's the thing is, I, I, I didn't predict, I didn't say, I think, Baron Corbin, I'm going to stop just saying Corbin. I didn't just say, you know, Baron Corbin is going to win because it would have been the worst result in my mind. I said it because I genuinely thought that's what they were going to do. Because mm. Vince likes a big guy. And he yeah. pushes the big It's true. And it is, it's tedious. It's still kind of a product for kids, and I'd be interested to know... What the kids made of it, but also I don't give a shit what the kids think. <laughs> yep. But any any final thoughts? Anyone else? Uh, no. Right. Anyway, um, would you guys be up for doing another one of these at some point? Most um, certainly. 
I don't know about. I mean, maybe we'll do Great Balls of Fire. <laughs> <laughs> See what that's like. Um, do a Raw one or something. But yeah, if not, maybe SummerSlam cool. in August or something. Um, but I think it'd be kind of cool to 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 make this an occasional feature if we keep doing the show. Yeah, sounds good. Good talking to you, Adam. Yeah, you too. Good yeah. to see you. Yeah, we'll see cool. you soon. Thanks, Whether you want it now or next, 606120 is there for you. Tally, phone or text 606120 now. See facts for details. Gamf are proud patrons of The Foundation for a Better World We're making the world better One step at a time I forget what we called it last week, but how was your week, sir? Pretty good. Um, yeah, I, uh, had, I had a thing on Thursday, actually. Um, because of the industry, industry I work in, IBM's really trying to forge communities so they host these things called z councils because i work on system z and um myself and my co-worker have been uh, involved in getting the topic set up because what they do is they come to like a local restaurant where they're you know meeting room space and then they have three subject matter experts who do 45 minute talks on relevant topics to the industry so there's a couple of security related ones and something um on uh, on uh, docker uh, Linux technology, but uh, oh, I know, yeah. I know Docker. It's used in science a lot for packaging uh, stuff, applications yeah, I, and I, stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It was uh, the science place I was at for a bit. They 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 were going heavily into Docker at one point, and then there's a thing in a couple of weeks, and one of the talks at that was about Docker as well. Oh, cool! It's a very, uh, very useful like, tool. Oh, I was about to say, yeah. It's, it seems to have taken off as much as people expected. So that's interesting. Yeah. So so that was really fun. Actually, it would go free lunch at uh, fairly upscale steakhouse called Ruth's Chris. It's a chain here in the US. Um, and yeah, so was, was, that, was, that was a really a nice highlight of the week. And uh, yeah, other than that, the weather's been absolutely gorgeous over here. So I've been riding my uh, motorcycle to and from work. So yeah, it's been, a, it's been a pretty nice week for me. How about you? Yeah, kind of a little bit the opposite. It was a bit of a, it ended well with the, with the Penn and Teller show, which I got the mug for. And uh, last night, both me and Jay got them, and there's a there's a picture of us clinking our mugs. Marvelous. Like, uh, which uh, I'll post if I can get it. But yeah, I had the Penn and Teller show, but then early in the week, like uh, an ex colleague of mine died, and that was a bit of a shock. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, yeah, that was that was a bit out of the blue. That really that really knocked the stuffing out of me. I went and met with the the people I used to work with on Thursday night, and that was really nice. We all got to chat and distract each other, and you know, tell nice stories and things. That's good. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, so that was good. I'm glad I went for that. And then yeah, and then Friday was the Penn and Teller thing. So it, it, it ended better than it started and that's all that matters. Um, but yeah, the Penn and Teller show was great other than the fact that the uh, love ritual trick, there were two people in the room that like, it didn't work for and I was one of them. And I don't know, like I remember Jay looked at me and was like, oh yeah, you look really crestfallen. Because I looked around and was like, oh, everyone got it right? <laughs> and I don't know where I went wrong, but I, I didn't have it right. And then uh, Penn Gillette said that the guy, the guy further closer to the stage who got it wrong, was going to die alone. I was like, oh, "I'm going to die." Alone. 
<laughs> um, which I didn't want to hear. Which one I went to see in in Vegas was they he did exactly the same thing. He kind of berates the one the one audience member who's brave enough to put their hand up to say yeah, it didn't didn't work for me. Which I imagine <laughs> I guarantee that you probably weren't the only two in the room, but the, the other people who it didn't work for didn't want in, want them to yeah. know. So yeah, I, it's uh, but for those who don't have never seen it, it's probably most people. It's a trick where they where you've got is it three cards. Four. Cards? You pick four up cards. four on your way in. I picked up five bikes and I pocketed one. That's the problem. So you, you pick up four. No, cards. no, I didn't put it into the ritual. I in fact, my, my my cards are just back here. The, I, I kept the, the torn cards. They're in this in this unit behind. You can't see them. I don't oh, nice. But um, yeah, you you, you kind of you, you shuffle them and you you put take one from the front, put it to the back, and then you tear them in half and you swap with your neighbor and all sorts of things. And then by the end of it, the 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 way the sequence works out, it works it works, and you've got if you've got like the the correct two pieces together or something. I can't even remember. Yeah, the, you put uh, early in the trick, you put one unseen piece in your like breast pocket or That's against it. your heart or whatever. And then by the end of it, you have the other piece that puts it together. Weirdly, I saw some guy on Twitter that Penn retweeted, and he had the two bits of the card, but on the back, they were two different cards. They didn't say Penn and Teller. They said Teller and Teller. Oh, and interesting. they were the right card. How did that work? I have no idea, but he must have swapped with someone, for, or he had two, oh, whatever suppose, they were, yeah. some yeah. three of hearts or whatever. And he had the right halves, but he had two top halves, I guess. So they both said Teller on the back. And unless the guy was, you know, whatever, running a, an extra trick. But I thought, like, oh, I wonder if everyone got that. But I was like, there's no, there's absolutely no way you can make that trick work. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so he got it wrong, but he kind of got it super right in some way. But, but yeah, it's, a, it's a really but, uh, fun show, isn't it? I mean, it's, it, it's it, an absolutely fantastic show. Like yeah. I was saying, next time I'm over there, uh, well, not next time, but soon when I'm over there and they're back in Vegas. And if we get down to Vegas again, we're 100% going to that show oh, again. Yeah, it's, it's worth every penny. I mean, it, it works out being like about 120 bucks to go to the Penn Teller Theater there. But it's 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 completely worth it. And getting to meet them afterwards is always fun. And did they do the bit where they uh, they do the, the like the kids magic trick with the cameras, the close-up oh, cameras yeah, did, sitting did, down? Yeah, I love Dracula's. that bit. Yeah. yeah, the Dracula, exactly. And the eggs and stuff. That was fantastic. I thought Anything that, really... that pu- pure light... Pu- it pluralizes Pluralize, yeah anything let me try again anything that pluralizes dracula as dracula's <laughs> is won me over like you know what about our dracula's the dracula's <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you know. that was great could could a dracula's build, beat a frankenstein <laughs> <laughs> uh and pen talks about that trick you know outside of the show he talks about how that trick was really came from him remembering his him uh, learning the the joy of magic when he was a kid, and also and rediscovering that through his own children. So it's it's kind of cool. What do you make of uh, Penn's new hair? I like it. I I, I was I, when I heard he got his hair cut, I was like, no, but he's the guy with the, with the black ponytail, and that should never change. But then you know it works well with his new size. I think. Yes, it makes him. It's the missing piece of his new look. Yeah, I would say like it. He really looks a lot sort of better and kind of weirdly younger and better put yeah. together again now. Although weirdly, the uh, the sort of interstitial videos they have that come on the screens. He's still big in it. No, no, he's but he's still got the hair. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and it was supposed to be live or whatever. It's just like, oh, he's still got the hair there. So yeah, this wasn't. It must have been an off the cuff kind of choice. So, do they yeah. do the the um the fish trick? The the cell phone and the fish trick. Yes, that's a fun one. Absolutely no idea how they do that. And I also no. want to know what video the guy ends up with on his phone that shows how the trick was done. I know, I want to see the video, yeah. Like, do they upload something into it? Because otherwise it'd just be a video of the inside of a bucket and a, and a thing. Or if it, unless maybe someone takes it backstage and they're like, we got your phone, we're going to jam it in the fish. 
I think that's I yeah. think that's probably what you get. Yeah, like a backstage guy doing. You see where it went? Like, like I think they probably like you know take it around and it's like, oh, and now we're gonna put it in the fish. There you go. Yeah. Well, Jay apparently said he noticed someone with that box in the intermission or whatever. Oh, really? Bringing it out and was like, "What's that guy with the box?" Hmm. So, but I I assume the the phone is never in the fish in the box. Like it somehow gets swapped out on stage. Yeah. I don't know. I was I was sold on all of it. It was a shame they finished with the trap trick because uh, I know that one quite well, and it was one of the the big memories of them. You know when I first got into them 20 years ago or whatever. But um, it was nice to see it live regardless. So. Yeah, yeah, same here. I was hoping to see the Bullet Catch, their version of the Bullet Catch. is oh, really apparently good. Apparently, legally, they're not allowed to do that here. Oh, really? Oh, that's a shame. Mm. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm definitely up for going to see them again. I think it'll be, uh, it's one of those, those, those types of shows that you would get, even if it's mostly the same, you're going to get something from it. Um, which uh, uh, I was about to say, cinema. Which um, hotel are they in? The Rio, all suites and casino. Oh wow! They're off okay, strip. So not. Yeah, I was about to say off strip, and not even like brand new off strip. But no, no, no. It's it's an older hotel, and yeah, but the pen, that's where the Penatella Theater is. So wow, okay, good for them. Yeah, and they've been there like fifteen years now, a long time. That's what I was about to say because I know we've gone a bunch of times. Yeah, and I mean, neither of us ever thought to do it, but. But I, I don't ever remember seeing where they were over there, but that's because we never wandered that far. No, off, no, no, exactly. It's, it's like two or three streets off of, this, off of the strip, but it's over yeah. I-15, it's over the freeway. So walk, I was going to walk to it because when, when I was there, I was staying in the Western, which is off the strip in the other direction. Okay. But it was the, the night I went to see them was the night of the Las Vegas Marathon. And uh, the, the whole, they, they closed part of the strip for that, so I couldn't get across the strip. So I got an Uber driver who knew his way around. I could not imagine running in in that Vegas. heat. Oof. Yeah, I mean it was maybe in, in it was in October. Winter. So oh shit, <laughs> what was it in October? I was going to say maybe winter, but well, that that kind of is that's the start of winter there. But it was still, I don't know, eighty five hot 90, as balls. Yeah, eighty five <laughs> or ninety in the in the day. Yeah. Did they run the marathon at night? Though it did finish at night. It, it finished. It was dark by the time it was finishing. The, the, the strip was still Good. closed at like eleven thirty or something. Good. That's when you'd want to do it. Yeah. Maybe I'll look into it. Um, I'm looking for a next challenge. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we're going to discuss a, uh, a video interview between. In fact, we, we, do I need to do this? Because we did it in, in the introduction. We did a little bit of it at the start, but I might just cut that. So okay, all right, fair enough. So uh, what this is is a uh, a discussion on a video that uh, Reason TV put up on YouTube uh, a few months ago, and it's it's it was kind of the idea to do it was was based upon uh, a discussion that we had at the end of last week's show that we're gonna we're gonna put in this show, um, where we where we talked a little bit about uh, Flying Dog uh, Brewery. Um, and uh, and more, more more about kind of the, well we discussed craft beer a little bit uh, I didn't know so much about it but it kind of spurred my memory of this this video where they interviewed Flying Dog about some of the legal troubles that they've had with um, some of their labels and uh, so it, the, the video is about twenty minutes long and, and it starts off talking about the, these particular cases that they've had so um, for those who don't know Flying Dog is a craft brewery based out of Colorado. Uh, and one of their claims to fame is the artwork on their bottles is uh, designed by famed uh, artist Ralph Steadman, who did a lot of work for the Hunter S. Thompson book. So if you if you're familiar with the cover of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas with the the, the guy the kind of stretchy, very kind of scratchy artwork, you, you've probably got a 
a pretty good idea of what what flying dogs labels look like and uh, to uh, Jim Caruso who's the CEO of, of flying dog um, mentioned that when Ralph did the first piece of artwork for for the for their the first label <clears throat> he wrote uh, good beer no shit on it and um, there was a a certain state's liquor board basically had uh, a problem with it and that led to a court case which I, I wasn't entirely clear if they won that court case and uh, because uh, he made reference to losing one of them but that may have been the raging bitch one they, I think they 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 lost the case and then appealed it and won on appeal and then they lost the other one outright. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right because they they did have to withdraw the yeah because he says in the video they they withdrew the good beer no shit and they put out a relabel that said good beer no censorship. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but then they they won and then they then they yeah re- then... Re- restore the label to, to what it was. Yeah. Mm. Um. It was it so so um, the the interesting thing about this video to me was was the the, the politics that that uh, Jim Caruso has are clearly aligned in the on the, the libertarian side of things and he's he's very much interested in in that side of things but one of the things that really interested me about it was was the the, the notion of like free speech and its potential limits and that was that was what I wanted to get your thoughts on. Honestly. Mm, yeah, no, I think it's a great suggestion. So um, if we just stop here for a moment and then what you'll hear after my voice will be the discussion that started this last week. Okay. And then we'll seamlessly segue back into the having watched that video discussion in a second. So I'm going to throw it over to a week ago us. Money, 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 and now Gold Bond presents. I'm now onto beer. There you go. Still on the tea. How big is that can? <laughs> it's, a, it's a new one. Okay. Um, so this is from the one down near Jay that I've fallen in love with. Oh, cool. Um, Sammy Ryan. Like an apple on the front? Blair. What's that? Is that an apple on the front? No, it's like a bear. Oh. Sammy Rye bear, because it's the electric oh, bear brewery. Cool. Um, Fun. Yeah. No, it's good beer as well. It's damn good beer. Good, good. I, re- I watched a video the other day, uh, well, a couple of weeks ago now, on uh, Reason.com about, um, oh, what are they called now? There's a brewery in the chocolate Colorado. Chew. What's that? <laughs> There's a bre- brewery in Colorado who, um, they-, they were kind of one of the earlier to market craft breweries. They have like, I think, was it, uh, who, Ralph, was it Ralph Stedman maybe did some artwork for their bottles? Oh shit, Flying Dog, yeah. Flying Dog, there you go, yeah. I've and they got, had a big uh... old battle with their, with their beers being banned because of the names. But the, the owner or founder seemed like a fairly level-headed guy who was interviewed for, on the, it was, it was kind of like a, a, around issues of freedom of speech. Um, mm. And, you know, they won all the cases that they've fought pretty much. I think they lost one, but they won it on appeal. But yeah, anyway. It's it's a really strange thing actually because the, in the same way I'm interested in most, like art and business for me are very, uh, very distant but very linked. So, sure. And that's it's the same with the filmmaking stuff. Same with you know love of pro wrestling, comics, 
um and yeah. the beer thing has become like my my one right now and i love going to all these little breweries and stuff that are popping up and actually speaking to the bloody people that work in there who make this damn sure and uh, i bought into Brewdog and, and spent some money when they had their uh equity drive and things like that and um yeah it's become the the very interesting kind of like art and commerce is usually the way I describe it. And I suppose it is true because mm-hmm. making good beer is still an art. Like it's a, it's a oh, certainly, yeah. art of chemistry rather than an art of, uh, you know, um, whatever, but it's, yeah. Uh, painting or filmmaking or whatever. Painting, yeah. filmmaking, yeah, whatever, whatever you want to call it. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating one right now. And so anything like that usually kind of grabs me. And it is very interesting. Like you see, you know, now it's definitely a thing for, for craft breweries to, to exist and then be bought out. Mm-hmm. You see people making them in the same way they would make straight to video films, just a quick sure. bucket. And then, you know, so you see these breweries popping up and, and you can tell that there's no love almost behind them in the same way you couldn't. I bet, yeah. You know, we think. And I, there's, a, there's a few near London that are just, I thought their beer's just shit. And, but they've got a good label, you know. And right, you see them, yeah. You see them, you know, available far and wide and you just think, it's a cynical ploy to create a brand that's going to be bought out by Anheuser Busch. Yeah, to an extent. Yeah, yeah. and a lot of those ones that did get bought out, they're not. Most of them haven't been changed, but uh, yet, I suppose is the opposite word. But it is, yeah. it is, you know, it is a shame to an extent that uh, that people are now flocking to that from the cynical end of it. And uh, it is, yeah. It, 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 there's one locally. There's one locally, actually. I think they're called. Warsatch Brewery or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I bought some of those last time. Oh I was yeah, there, you did, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, that was. Then, you know, they've that. got suitably comical names like Brigham's Brew and you know Polygamy Porter. I think is one of them. And uh, yeah, I don't know other stuff that's local. It's kind of fun, but yeah. But it does seem to be the um, yeah this the local big business of our time. Yeah, and, it really um, does. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting now to see like Brewdog making inroads in inroads in uh, Brewdog making inroads over there now. Oh, cool! And um, you know, a lot of the the smaller ones like from yesteryear that you couldn't find are now available everywhere. Really, um, like the Sierra Nevadas and 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 stuff that just got bought out. And um, yeah, it's it's both. I mean, it's a shame and it's great because then you can get yeah. stuff. like there's ones from over there that I'll probably never get to try unless I go on my my you know joke craft beard road trip you know like yeah but equally like maybe they shouldn't be available everywhere yeah. like it's i don't know I'm well torn. They'd, have, they'd have to like compromise their production methods i would imagine or uh, yeah th- th- there would have to be a change in the way they do things for them to to, to have that distribution it's like in and out burger you know in and out is, is is the reason it's not nationwide is because of the way they do things with distribution because they do everything fresh they don't freeze stuff and that's why it's only has got really as, as far north as, as pretty much here, because they're only they, they don't want to build like a di- whole distribution network back east, and they don't want to compromise the quality by freezing. Interesting. S- same same kind of thing, you know, and that it's it's regional by necessity as opposed to yeah. you know by choice. The actually the burger thing over there is quite uh, quite an interesting comparison because because now in the same way we get you know well we've had Sierra Nevada for ages but let's say. Uh, uh, we just got Stone. You can get Stone IPA in, in Marks and Spencer here now, which is which is a California one. And I oh, don't really? know how far and wide across the US you can get that. But they did a tie-up with a German brewer, and now they're brewing it in Germany. 
and so I you see. get that. And and the same with the Yeasty Boys, great name out of uh, New Zealand. Brewdog now brews some of theirs here, so you can get their Old Grey IPA, which I'm forever finding cans of around this house. Like I must have been <laughs> drinking it, and I just put it down somewhere, and there's like six of them floating around this house. I'm like, with like varying amounts of, of like no, no, they're all, they're all empty. empty. Believe me, I okay, because they're not cheap. But um, but it, I put it down wherever I finished. Like there was one in the bathroom, there's one in the garage, there's one on the stairs, and it's just like I must have just gone out. I must have finished it and left. Yeah, the fact that you can get these things far and wide is is cool. But then it's also like, um, like local flavor, local well, literally local flavor, um, and local color that you're missing. Like if you go somewhere and you can have that local beer. Yeah. And um, I'm kind of torn on that in the same way I feel about mass entertainment and cinema and everything like that, you know, um, like it should be everything should be available everywhere and all the time. And that's whatever. But then equally. No, <laughs> one of the things that, and on that I, I kind of like is it's realigned my perspective a little bit. One of the things since moving here, I've, I've really realized is that there, there are things that that don't make it outside of, of the UK in particular. And I would imagine other local markets, I think it's different in the English speaking world, but you know, it's, it's for sure. That's the case in like France and Germany where they have the, you know, their local language films, but things like, I didn't know for probably about a year or two after it was released that there was an Alan Partridge film. Oh, really? I had, okay. That had no idea. And then, and then I, I, I was like, Oh wait, there's an, there's a new Alan Partridge movie. And I, and I bought it and, uh, yeah, and there's there's been a few examples like that. Like Dad's Army was was very similar to that. I didn't had no idea they they'd made a Dad's Army reboot. That was until... relentlessly trailered over here. I, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? The, to, to go back, one last thing on the beer beer burgers thing. The fact that Five Guys is kind of getting towards being everywhere over here now. Yeah, yeah that's has so that weird all to me. fresh thing is is interesting because what they have done is source distribution outlets over here and they've kind of yeah. weirdly positioned themselves as the kind of craft burgers let's say you know brand and and they, they're doing really well and I, I was i was somewhere again i think it was london or somewhere and i walked past yet another one that didn't seem to be there before wow. i know it was when i was in sundance when i went to sundance london there was this mm-hmm. one off leicester square now and i swear last time i was there it wasn't there interesting and i thought about going there because hey it's five guys and they're vegetarian but vegan shit it's not bad and um, and I didn't because when I went back to it, it was flooded and they had to close. Oh crap! <laughs> there was just these guys running around with brooms, like oh, keep the water away from the machines. <laughs> and it, I just looked at them and was like, oh, they're having a bad day. I presume um, they do the same shit over there with like the bags of potatoes of the name of the place they came from on and stuff. Yes, and yeah, yeah, yeah. You see and... written up in the peanuts and the. They don't encourage okay. you to throw them on the floor as much as I was uh, uh, led to believe when I first went to one in Texas. But yeah. No, I'm 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 kind of surprised that 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 has taken off so well. I guess I'll see the occasional friend on Facebook who's back there, and they're like, "Oh, I just went to buy of guys." And I'm like, "Really? That's what took off? You know, yeah. that's that's not Wendy's or Carl's Jr. It was five guys." And I suppose it's because it's a twist. You know, it's not just another McDonald's or Burger King. It's a twist. Yeah, and they they, the, they, the, they the seem to be going great guns, and I I, I wouldn't yeah. want to guess how many places they have over here now, but. Uh, it's quite a lot certainly more than you think and yeah and you know i'm not gonna say most of the major cities but i think a lot of the major cities has one in the bull ring i think yeah birmingham definitely has one yeah uh bristol has one uh cambridge has one i don't know that oxford does if it has i've I've not seen it yet um 
London has one on Bunch. every corner. <laughs> like like um, Starbucks for burgers. Yeah, and it's but it is it is that kind of thing where it's still they've managed to scale up and I think at least keep the the baseline quality the essence of it, yeah. But yeah, so it, it is interesting. And and then the, the the beer thing kind of goes hand in hand with that. But I do yeah. like that that it is a, a thing right now. That you can get all that. I mean there's always been microbrewing over here and stuff, but like I can't remember what it was, but I read some kind of stat a while back about you know that thing about you're never more than ten foot from a rat. Yeah, like, yeah. Like you now you're never more than like half a mile from a craft brewery or something. <laughs> so. Money, 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 money. And now we're back. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the the really interesting thing for me here was the fact that it was, um, it was a lot of it was predicated on the fact that it was taken to be obscene. Yes. Not offensive. And now I know over here we have there's a specific piece of legislation called the Obscene Publications Act from 1959, which has been used, um, and I've just looked it up here just to make sure that it had, because uh, I don't think it's been updated in a very long time. Um, but that was originally uh, put in place to, to for very specific reasons, but later was used uh, against a lot of films and things. So it's right. always been one of those things in the back of my head. Like, like Clockwork um, Orange being a, a key example. No, Clockwork Orange is a very specific case because really? Kubrick himself withdrew that. Oh, he did. You're right. Never mind. Yeah. Because yeah. he was well, here and he wasn't comfortable with the violence around it. That's right. But was it The Exorcist that was... Exorcist was, was kind of one of them, but that was also the BBFC. Um, you're looking at your video nasties, your driller killers, your um, you know uh, um, uh, zombie flesh eaters, uh Cannibal Holocaust, those kind of films, those are the ones that were pulled over obscene uh, the OPA, the Obscene Publications Act, um, and things like that. Um, so it's interesting to hear that the for them over there, obscenity is really ill defined. Whereas over here, yeah, we actually have that. this this very poorly defined seventy year old um, version of obscenity that actually has had in the past a lot of. Um, effect on what we have over here yeah so and it the, has a definition the, it's just that definition is very out of date by the sounds of it yeah but it's so it's interesting that you guys don't have that no. so if no, yeah, with if the first with that. the first amendment being what it is um you really couldn't have a piece of legislation that 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 did that um and one of the problems that 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 causes is that you get these open-ended interpretations um where uh, where, where there are those kind of more tight definitions sometimes it's it's where it's kind of like a, a positive uh, affirmation or, or like description of what something is. You can you can apply it in a legal test and say, okay, well, it doesn't meet that test, therefore it fall doesn't fall out, out uh, in, into that definition, and we can't prosecute it. That not that I, I, I'm very 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 for the First Amendment, but but it is one of the the challenges of having liberty within a uh, a society where there are multiple interpretations, especially a federalist society like the US where you have multiple levels of government um, and those, those, those different bodies and different governmental agencies might not see things the same way. So from a federal perspective, there's no way that, that, that the federal government could come in and say, you can't put good beer, no shit, or the name raging bitch on your, on your label because the federal, the, for the First Amendment clearly bars them from doing that. And the Tenth Amendment, which is the, the, the part of the, the Bill of Rights that um, delegates all the powers that the federal government doesn't have to the states, um, would prohibit that too. So from a federal level, they, they can't do anything. 
and I don't think they would. And that's that's what kind of leaves it to the the states to do it. And each state has a different interpretation, which is why you see things like this. Well, in Arkansas, we couldn't sell Raging Bitch because, or Michigan was the other one. They couldn't sell Raging Bitch. Oh, was it? Yeah, and and which is odd because they talked about how you know Oprah doesn't let people use that word on her show, which is not a legal argument, <laughs> and it's kind of funny. But it's also yeah, because the the Caruso man he says like, I'd rather be talking about the First Amendment than Oprah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 yeah it's curious how out of the fifty states, just a few have had had a problem. It seems um, and and caused them all sorts of grief because of that different interpretation of like of the word obscenity, like you were talking about. They, mm. Uh, if they're they're referring to the word obscenity in a legal argument, and then then Jim is quite right. The CEO is quite right that, that there's no, I don't think there's no like law dictionary definition of obscene. Um, it's far too broad a term to really unlike. Whereas if you use the word obscene in British law, you're clearly referring to the Obscene Publications Act, and you've got a set of rules to to, to refer to. So that's what yeah, makes it a challenge to defend against yeah. is because that there's if 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 that existed here, I'm and I'm kind of glad it doesn't. But if that if that existed here, you could say okay, well let's look at that piece of legislation and test it against each of the clauses, and and that would be an end of it. But because of, you don't have that, you end in this endless cycle of appeals and and counter appeals and all these sorts of things or like, Oh, that's not what we didn't mean. This wasn't about the first amendment type thing. And, and it's, 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 it's curious and, and messy, but uh, ultimately fascinating to watch. Yeah. And, and the fact that like, uh, like we, we will have spoken about in the previous segment, um, you know, my recent love of the, this whole craft beer movement, it, it was interesting to see one of the elder statesmen of that. Like I didn't know the guy, but I know the beer. Sure. Um, and it's been around quite a while, um, and it's it's oddly not weathered the storm, but it's still very very relevant in there. And they were saying they were doing something like forty seven varieties or something it's like crazy. And I probably tried six of those. I didn't know they did more than that. But yeah, to see that entangled with you know uh, what they kept it's a word that it's actually kind of meaningless and, and and laughed at now. But the the artisanal kind of end of production. But yeah. also having that, the fact that you had that kind of um, what I've described in the past as raw capitalism, like let's let raw capitalism decide. So if they, if the customer doesn't think that they want a beer called Raging Bitch, they're not going to buy it, and the place will stop stocking it, and the market will decide. Yeah, exactly. and I'm not, I'm not super, you know, capitalist guy, but there is a simplicity to that. Sometimes you don't need to spend time um, diving in and uh, and and trying to like it's a thing from the. Um, uh, it's a thing from the OPA, as as, uh, as I remember. I haven't just read it, but um, it was something like, uh, you know, um, the OPA was put in place to stop um, uh, works that would uh, degrade or corrupt the public. And um, you don't need to go in and start messing around and legislating with that because people... If they don't want it, they won't buy it, or that you know they won't. But they'll turn away it. from it. Yeah, they'll turn away from it. And the 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 part of that which was the beer argument was just kind of it made a lot of sense because if it's yeah. not good beer, they're not going to buy it, or they're not if they don't like the label or they don't like the the words on it, they're not going to buy it. And then the place will stop stocking it, and then they'll you know that one will trend down, and they'll make less of it and whatever. But that can happen all on its own, and you don't need to worry about you don't it. Need and to especially, it. yeah, yeah, especially in a place where like it's not going to be in front of kids. No, 
Like, you don't need to worry about Raging Bitch being in front of kids. It's going to be, you know, on the back shelf of the bar, or it's going to be in those aisles, not even in the supermarket over there. You know, it's going to be in those liquor stores and stuff. Like, it's it's not really something to worry about. I And it was really interesting to the way he spoke about it and um, the points he made, like, in the first half of the interview that really was another one of those things like uh, Adam Curtis for me last week, where I was just kind of like, yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense. That's how I feel about these things being spoken by a representative of an industry I like. And I'm kind mm-hmm. of glad to hear it. Like he wasn't overly corporate about anything. He, but he, he got that there was a business side of this. And as I think I said before, like the art and commerce kind of go hand in hand in the same way I feel about films and, and everything. Yeah. And he didn't seem overly smug about it either. Like, uh, Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. There, there was, there was a, you know, there's a, there's a concern when, when, people moralize in this kind of way and and actually maybe moralize is kind of the wrong word i suppose to me it's a moral free speech is is a is a, is a virtue and and unfettered free speech to the point that you're not causing alarm or distress or or deliberately trying to hurt someone or don't be a and, dick don't be a dick exactly that yeah is is something that i hold very dear so i'm i'm, al- I'm aligned with him so i'm probably not uh, not likely to see that smugness that others might see, but to, to me, I think he didn't. He didn't. He came off as, as very genuine about it and just kind of like, well, this yeah, is how I, I feel. Say, I was about to say he never felt disingenuous. No. You have a lot of those people who come out of these com- companies um, speaking about these things, and they feel sometimes like the words they're saying aren't any form of uh, self-held truth. They're more um, marketing, just, uh, uh, marketing or a line. They're following a line. Yeah. You know, whereas this guy, it it kind of felt like, even in a not particularly well produced video, from my point of view, the what his message and what he was saying came, you know, came out perfectly, and I thought he sounded so genuine. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it's a, it was really, really interesting. The second half of the interview, where it got more into libertarianism and objectivism and Ayn Rand and stuff, I, I wouldn't say he lost me, but I was a little bit like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah this this feels a little heavier than you know you you got me in with the beer because well literally in the first half there was one shot of beer going by that was like uh, i really want a beer right now. <laughs> <laughs> i watched the video while i was out in the garden with the dog and i was just kind of like i really want a beer right now and on the on the way back if i could have if i'd had my wallet in my pocket which i didn't i uh i would have bought some flying dog as as it is i'm drinking uh it's electric bear again so another shout out to electric bear brewing um, the cherry blackout, which is a, a, a chocolate cherry stout. Wow! Um, instead, it's it's very nice. Um, I've got an idea for a pudding that involves this beer. Oh. But it'll have to be the next bottle I buy. I can um, see that working. Mm, almost mixing it with ice cream and creating a kind of affogato kind of pudding where you. Can, I don't know how you'd freeze it, but um, but having it is almost like a glaze. Liquid nitrogen. Liquid nitrogen. Um, but yeah, the second half. Of the, <laughs> Yeah. The second half of the video where they got into all that stuff was it, it got a little bit more heavy. And it, it, the way you said what, um, the way you spoke about what reason was mm-hmm. as a channel, like that probably fed more into their end of things. It but did. he still seemed very independent. Um, and and the the the, the Buddhism uh, the bear sorry the Buddhism uh, progeny thing came into it, which was like I didn't expect that to come into it. Um, but it was really interesting him talking about libertarianism and objectivism, but but. Uh, but still, like almost like we like we were speaking about on the show last week, they were his things, mm-hmm. and and it wasn't for you to worry or get overly worked up about. 
yeah, 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 it wasn't for you to 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 feel like uh, which I you know my initial reaction was oh this is getting a bit heavy, but it was kind of like you know what he when he said about like these are my been my views for forty years yeah and 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 everything I was like yeah he's really confident in his opinion and that's fine and he's really speaking about it it doesn't mean that I should disagree with him about the the bit I agreed with him about in fact I should probably look more into these things and see maybe why I slight feel a slight pushback from some of that. Yeah, and I think that's that's a really excellent point actually because it's important when you, if you particularly those keywords and I think Ayn Rand is one of them um, and I think from a, a a perspective of you know I, there's a, a fair amount of fetishization around Ayn Rand in the in the in the more right wing community here and I, yeah. I you know I, I enjoy her work to an extent um, I don't agree in, in, in to, with everything but I don't think I agree with everything that anyone's written. Um, and just to give a bit of background, a, a, a great many libertarians around his age and probably the next couple of generations came to libertarianism through objectivism and reading um, mm. reading Atlas Shrugged on the Fountainhead and because virtue, virtue of selfishness. Because 60s. 60s, yeah, which he looks good for, doesn't he? And I was like, considering he drinks beer every okay, day. That's a great <laughs> advert for beer. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I I can see why, and you're right. It, reason it's a it's a journalistic organization that that has a libertarian um, philosophy that it comes from. So yeah. this is very typical of what they do. That, that there was a case that was relevant to some kind of free speech issue, which is a very big issue for 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 reason, and they they covered the the stories and the the, the legal history of it. And that was kind of the introduction to the video, and then that led into a more general discussion about um, his personal philosophy, uh, which mm. which which will have reflected uh, the personal philosophy of probably uh, Nick, who he was talking to, and and a great many people watching it who know what reason is and and follow follow their output. So you said the guy interviewing him was the the head man. He's the editor in chief of of, uh, of reason. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so I, I, it's another one of those, like we were saying last week, it's kind of a, a little bit of a consider the source. Sure. Like, don't just take it outright kind of thing. But, I mean, I did I did feel like, you know, as the second version of this we've done, where it's like, here's a thing, look at the thing. Like, I felt that the thing this week was, again, one of those like, oh, I would never have found this any other way, but I actually agree with it. I'm glad that, that that's out there, that I can see that, a guy who's doing something that I really like actually has the views that align with with how I feel about things and having them spoken about that subject and how they handled it and what they did with the money as well, setting up that foundation and stuff. Yeah. Um was kind of like, oh that's really interesting. I'm 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 kind of he's another one of those ones that I'm kind of yeah, okay, he's he's out there and now it's a company I'm even happiest to support. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and you know, were I to be a beer drinker that that would be they would be my go-to at this point. I got your back. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> it is the First Amendment Foundation. Is that what, what it was called? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure if you've Googled First Amendment Foundation or just First Amendment and Flying Dog, you'll find it somehow. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's interesting to see how that's led on to uh, their legal trouble has actually led to something positive. And that was something I wanted to mention as well. It's really interesting how what could have been something that really was damaging to their organization has actually provided an opportunity for them to, to, to create something positive out of that. And I really admire that because yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people, when 
confronted with those sorts of attacks could go very negative and, and, and take, take a very negative lesson from it and, and be, feel like, oh, the whole world's kind of against me and that sort of thing. Whereas it seems like uh, Jim or, and the people around him, I imagine it wasn't just him, um, really, really decided to kind of take a positive approach to, to having had that challenge and forge something. And he, he made reference to, to speaking on college campuses as well, which is cool. Uh, I think it'd be interesting mm. to see, you know, if if his position has gone, kind of gone from strategic management of the of the the day to day business to being more of a, an advocate for the brand and what it's come to represent um, since since facing those those legal battles, so yeah, it's interesting. He was saying that almost the the challenge to the the thing in wherever it was, Michigan, Colorado, wherever, was that it, it possibly came from other brewers as well, not yeah. in a kind of um, uh, conspiracy theory way, but in a in a kind of like yeah, because it makes sense. Because if they can get those guys off the shelf, then there's more shelf space for them. Sure, and and, and it and that kind of made a lot of sense to me. You know, in a, in a kind of like okay, how do we how do we protect our you know um, uh, section of the market? Yeah, and I don't think it's conspiratorial to suggest that such things go on. Um, uh, example from 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 right here in Utah, in fact. Uh, I think about 15 years ago, the state legislature became quite heavily loaded with um, people who were supportive of the banking lobby. And uh, I, I work for a credit union. Uh, banks don't like credit unions because mm-hmm. we're, um, we're not for profit organizations. We're ta- and so therefore we're tax exempt. So be money charities. Right, exactly. Yeah, like, kind of like um, building societies, I suppose, would be a, a, yeah. a similar sort of thing. So they loaded it up and, and started passing all this anti-credit union legislation that, that kind of restricted the, the, the business that, that we could do. This was before I was in the industry. but um, So, so that, that's another example of where they were like, well, this is, we feel this is threatening us, so we're going to try and go, against, go after it legally. And that was one of the points that he made that really kind of like threw his integrity through the roof for me, is that he said, you know, well, they, he doesn't like the crony capitalist, let's use the, the, the state and the... Uh, the the law yeah. to, to 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 gain a business advantage. Let's just put out a product and let it compete on its merits. And I was like, dude, you have got my. I kind of want to go and buy just some some of your beer and give it to people just just cause because I, I like that. Homeless people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hey, get more drunk. Oh no, free speech argument. I'm. I like this video, and it, again, it was one of those things that I think will become a, a something I'll go back to every now and again. Um, because of you know the argument and because it was a small a small business but not a kind of like oh yeah yeah like it's a successful small business that that proves you can do it and 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 sort of um shows the the probably the right way to do it and the right way to approach it is just like have confidence in your product and in your argument he said about frat boy arguments and things at one point like the obscenity and, and everything and um and you know we're saying well we're not that we're clearly we're clearly doing this we're just you know it's just a style thing and it's the bad words you can take offense to but they're not obscene in the context we're using i mean like the no shit thing like the good beer no shit i was i was like what what just to look at good beer no shit for a second what was your how mm-hmm. do you think that was intended to be taken well i think i think it's it's i think the no shit part is in reference to the the good beer part so I don't think it's saying this is good beer and there's no shit in it. I think it's saying this is good beer and I'm and that's no shit. Right. See, those are the two the two ways, that's and how that's I where I was I was doing yeah. the garden going like I wonder, and it's probably too I'm going too far down the rabbit hole with it. But I did wonder, it's like 
is the does he mean no shit in it or is it like a come on no yeah, argument give it no shit yeah. man yeah like, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, I wondered which way to take it. And then it was like, does it really matter? Like, as long as it's Probably neither not. of them mean. Well, neither of them are, are, are offensive. I no, don't think. Just... I mean, it, it's it, it it it's definitely not referring to to, to be to be like ridiculously over, overly analytic about it. Welcome it, to my head. It, it in no ways referring to <laughs> yeah. It in no ways referring to feces. Yes. You know, it's definitely not doing that because I seem to remember there was something. What was it? There was there was some something I was listening to where they were. Saying that they they could use, they could use the word shit or bitch if it was referring to shit like poop or female dog or a yeah. female dog, but they couldn't use it in the pejorative like colloquial sense. I forget what it was, but it, it, it and, and it's it, it's the flip of that really, and that they're not they and I I can't see why that would be a particular why any legislative body would have an objection to it. Anyway, aside from the fact that it's considered to be, you know, a curse word. As yeah, it were. I mean, and, it, and the fact that it's in plain view, you know, that's the thing, isn't it? And that's where you wonder, like, okay, so where where did it begin? Like the act against them, where right. does it begin? And does it have that kind of like lobbyist? Someone else is involved. Like whose exactly, whose agenda yeah. is being served by the by take taking them away? And it, you know, if anyone does take offense to that beer, that's fine. They can. They can they not can buy, not it. buy it. Exactly. They can turn away they from the shelf where it's sitting if it's sitting in plain vendor. sight. They could even right. I I would even like not if if it, if it's facing if the you know if it, if it's facing the front and you can see the word. I wouldn't even have any objection to them turning it around on the shelf so you can't see yeah. the word. That's fine. I don't I don't care. Someone else might come and turn it back, but you know I I think there's that argument of of like it's it's the the Helen Lovejoy from the Simpsons. Oh, think of the children kind of argument yeah. in a way. It's like well, kids are going to see the word bitch in public or shit in public. It's like. They're going to hear ten times worse at school, yeah. so <laughs> I, I, I think I think it's an overreaction from a bit of a puritanical place that that uh, I think has probably no place in modern society. And and I thought it was one of the interesting parts of the discussion that they got onto later was um, Nick asked asked him the question of how he sees how he sees like society's reaction to that and how it's come on. And I think he was making allusions to the. Um, and this might be a big discussion we could get into, but but just in reference to it, the the, the potential problems that we're seeing on college campuses and becoming quite hostile to, to, to free speech that doesn't necessarily agree with a certain yeah. agenda. Um, I think that's what he was alluding to, and um, they did they never really overtly got into that in, in any meaningful way. But uh, it, it was in, his response to that was was kind of interesting, and in that he he definitely sees some kind of problem uh, with it because the uh, there's, he's kind of almost having to teach, having to teach the current generation that 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 those those the, the hearing stuff that you don't like is kind of okay because you can choose not to participate mm. in it. And and I think that's a fabulous lesson for anyone to learn because if you if you're constantly reacting to things that displease you, you're going to be displeased for the majority of of your time because you're always going to be hearing and i think we've all been guilty of this in the past and probably are guilty of it to some extent right now i'm not saying i never hear anything that makes me kind of bristle but i I think if you've got that philosophical perspective of kind of saying well you know they're saying something that i don't particularly like but i'm glad that they have the ability to say it and that i have the ability to respond there you go i will um i don't agree with what you say but i will defend to the death your right to say it it shouldn't be like i don't agree with that ban it because at right. one point you're going to say something a, they don't agree with 
and then right well well and and it's it's a myopic um it's a myopic approach to to legislation and 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 setting up mm. society because you know the, the unfortunately the majority of people who who say that would probably be very displeased with the current political situation and if if they had succeeded in get in getting that sort of legislation pa- uh, pushed through then they wouldn't be able to say the things that they need to say to change that mm. because the person who holds power is not always going to agree with you. And that's why you've got to be long-term with anything that is right. Yeah. Well, as I said uh, last week, I can't remember if it made the episode or not, but the, the idea of the, the fake news thing on Facebook is like, okay, you've got to think, okay, so you're saying like, I don't want this, but then you're giving the power to someone else to decide what it, to yeah, curate, to curate your, your, for your you. environment, yeah. yeah, and it's kind of like, okay, so who's who's the decider here, and yeah, um, and who will the decider be in ten? Yeah, years? exactly. When it swings the other way, which is you know the the situation we kind of have a, in in both countries right now, like when the political yeah. argument doesn't agree with you, and you've um, given a lot of power over to it, like who's setting the agenda and who's who's choosing what's what's correct what the correct uh, conversations right. are and um yeah who defines what the word correct actually yeah means? or obscene or um, <laughs> in the political sense yeah uh, uh offensive and things but yeah it is it's a it's a real tough area but i mean i'd rather always i'd rather not sell any freedoms down the river in, no, in exactly. any respect i'd rather have those people those those kind of slightly crazy people around i think Rather than rather than kind of like tailoring it so finely that there's this this small sliver of acceptable speech being being heard because I think it's quite important to hear the extremes because they help focus you uh, and and you're right it, 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 the 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 side effect of that is that people who are maybe more easily duped or low information or or have you know maybe poorer critical thinking skills get sucked into that I... and that can lead to that building a little bit but. I think it's for me at least when I hear someone saying, you know, we live on a, a static and completely level plane and are covered in a sapphire dome and the sun's to eighty miles carried on the back of a turtle, thirty meters across. Exactly, hearing that kind of makes me go, oh, actually, no, no, you know, astrophysicists have it yeah. right, and and it, it helps me refine things. But I, I, I can see why. It's what. Yeah, I'd rather. I have forget whether this is just the term I coined or not, but this this is that. Um, saying that someone with a vacuum of opinion who has just never thought about these areas by hearing uh, by hearing opposing not by hearing opposing views but by hearing multiple by hearing a scope of opinion will figure out where they sit because they're like well I don't agree with that I don't agree with that so I guess I'm somewhere somewhere here so like if you take all that away and you just have one singular line I think we end up with the problems we spoke of last week yeah, and uh, yeah, I'd rather I'd rather have a rich um, range of opinion within the scope of uh, some kind of legal spectrum, should we say? Yeah. In that, rather than rather than giving too much away and and uh, potentially allowing certain elements or certain factors to um, position us in the wrong part of it, you know, to to, to then put you on the wrong side of the argument so that. They can get away with whatever they they choose to uh, choose to do, you know. Um, yeah, elected yeah, or it, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Because, yeah, and elected or otherwise is, is a really good clarification and, and or, or you know 
um, distinction there because I think that that we do. I've been guilty of this, focusing far too much on you know the the people in the public eye who are maybe elected officials or um, uh, opinion makers, as yeah. it were. But I think it's it's important to kind of think about this in terms of you know the messages that. Uh, corporations get behind and that sort of thing. I, I hate to use that word because e-corporations, yeah. you know, but, but, but it, but it is interesting. It's, it's, I think it's good to be aware that there is a tailored message that has an end, you know, that there are, that there are people who want to kind of like steer you in a certain direction, be that buy our product or give us your vote um, or just join us. You know, there's, there's, I think that the more extreme, extreme elements are generally just join us because we want to spread our message and we want power and we want, we, we believe mm. it's true. But but having that multiplicity of uh, those multifaceted uh, perspectives on on subjects, you're really right. It does help triangulate, and that, uh, that vac- vacuum of opinion is that what you said you, you, you called it? A vacuum of thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's something I I was half coining, and then when you were speaking, I was like, you know what? Well, that's that's right. It's people who've never really thought about anything, and then whatever they might hear or see just just will be the first thing that gets in there, and if if it's not a broad range argument, then to hear that range could could you like you were saying sort of triangulate your opinion on something. I agree, I yeah. That's a good thing. Rather than having too myopic or whatever you said, an argument that just goes like that points you here and says that's right, and so they're like that's right. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it kind of comes back to something we were talking about last week, and that it's it's another problem of, of this soundbite culture that we live in, where where people. Mm. Uh, particularly people with that, with that vacuum of thought, if, if you provide that simple answer, that's probably going to be sucked in much more easily than, than something that's, that's complex or, or maybe even uncertain. You know, I think as, as a, as a, as a, a species, we are, we tend to, I should say, be very comfortable with simple answers because they, they they complete that pattern for us, you know. We're pat we're pattern seeking mammals. That's what we are at the at the core of everything. So if if you can create a simple pattern that go that, that explains something that connects that that gap between dot A and dot B, it really it's appealing to people. And when you start saying, yeah. well, you know what? It's there's actually fifteen dots in between, and they go in all sorts of different directions. And they and and you know dot K might not even connect to 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 jkl dot l um <laughs> that's how intelligent i am listeners um that then then it starts becoming more uncomfortable for people and i think one of the things that to sound kind of probably horribly narcissistic that i've i've grown to embrace is is uncertainty um i think i think there's actually a lot of power in the in the the answer if someone asks your opinion or or you know, for your knowledge on something, there's actually a lot of power in saying I don't know, because it puts you in a position where you're still open to inquiry, yeah. and I think that's so so important. But but so many people are afraid of that. Oh yeah, do you find that like? Oh, absolutely, they, I do. Yeah, they they want the simple answer. Oh, but they don't want to be wrong. I find that quite a lot actually, and I'm just like, just admit you don't know. It's, yeah, I'm not going to think any less of you. Quite the opposite. Yeah, because no one knows everything, and if you tr- if you try and know everything, you're going to end absolutely, up knowing nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's just weird modern zero-sum game with with the truth yeah. i think where you just end up you know being some sort of weird soulless kind of uh lie machine yeah <laughs> i think we've got an episode title 
<laughs> okay, you want to call it a day there, and then we'll be back for more Yucks next Definitely, week? Definitely, yeah. Money! Hey, G3 here. Just want to say thanks so much for listening, and also to let you know that we're on social media. We're on Facebook as Gamp. We are on Twitter as at GAMFCast, and we're over on Instagram and our account's Instagram over there. So uh, please check us out. Come and follow us and like and subscribe and all of that junk. Um, and, uh, yeah, get in touch as well. We've also got an email address. We are GAMFCast at gmail.com. That's G-A-M-F-T-Cast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Any suggestions or thoughts on the show or just uh, if you just want to get in touch and say hi. Uh, but, yeah, thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week. <laughs>